Free Talk Live, 1-800-259-9231. And yes, it is a different voice you're hearing tonight. It's uh, This is Mark. And Sean. And we're uh, Ian Ian is away. They uh, I don't know. He's got some kind of business or something. He's he's doing I, I, I I'm sure he's screwing around somewhere. But uh, e- either way, we are here live to take your calls at 1-800-259-9231. Free Talk Live is the radio show about what you want to talk about. So call in and we'll talk to you about you, what you want to talk about. We have stuff to talk about, but we're here to take your calls and uh, we've got a call. Uh, we've got Brian from New Hampshire. Brian, you there? Hey, guys, it's Brian. Excellent. I pushed the right button. Awesome. All right. So what do you want to talk about? All right. Well, um, I want to talk about something that I uh, I should have uh, brought up a few weeks ago, but um, it was just been kind of hectic around here. Um, last, oh, I don't know, March, this this last March, what is it, six months ago or so, uh, I was uh, helping a friend move a truck, and uh, it didn't run, so I put it on my big, I have a big uh trailer that attaches to my truck it did not run his truck his truck ran only enough to get it up on the trailer okay. but it wasn't going to go the six miles it needed to go Understood. from one little town to the other got it and so yeah i loaded loaded up there and you know chained it all down and um yeah i thought it would, may, might have been right at the limit of my trailer i mean this was a this was one of these big you know bread trucks so i was going kind of slow along uh, 101a down there in new hampshire and um uh, you know what? You know it. I get you know two miles uh, to my destination, which was you know only six miles from where it started, and the blue light comes on in the back. And now I haven't been stopped by a cop in years. I don't, I don't know how long it's been. Uh, I drive with uh, Colorado plates that are out of date. I drive with no front license plate. I drive this you know, this big truck twenty thousand miles a few years ago between here and Colorado. Never even seen a cop. I don't know if it's just my, my good looks or whatever. Could be that. Anyway, yeah, could be that. <laughs> so, um, so this guy this guy stops me, and um, I, I want to tell you about what happened, and I'm going to tell you how I made mistakes, but I won anyway. But I won kind of by mistake. Okay. So this guy, this guy pulls me over, and I made the mistake of talking to him. I knew I shouldn't, but I did because I was just, I was just trying to get out of it. I didn't want to deal with it. Sure. And so I, I, uh, I got out of the truck, and I walked back there, and they don't like it when you do that, first of all. Oh, yeah. They, they, they want, want you to, to sit, sit petrified in your vehicle for them to uh, come and, and harass you or whatever it is they're going to do. Right, right. And, so I'm sure that, the truck. and I'm sure that they have <laughs> their, their safety precaution reasons that they have about that and, you know, whatever. Yeah, well, usually I, I have my gun when I'm, I'm walking around. I'm just an open carry kind of guy. I, I guess it's a good thing I didn't have it this time. So I'm going to walk back to his car. And uh, he didn't see me. I tapped on the window, and he was petrified. <laughs> you know, he was he was doing something on his computer. He looked up, and he rolled the window down and says, uh, uh, you're not supposed to be here, but you stopped me. <laughs> anyway, uh, it turns out that my the license plate on the trailer was about four months out of date. Okay. Now, I haven't moved this trailer from my, my you know property here for, you know, it leaves about twice a year. Right. Why should I pay all that money to have the stupid thing registered when I'm only going to go out? Well, I took the risk, and... You know, got caught. Right. It happens. So anyway, I, I, I knew not to admit my guilt at that point. I said, uh, uh, I said, so what's the problem? He says, well, it looks like your license plate is out of, out of date. And I looked at it, you know, along with him, and I said, um, hmm, how about that? That's all I said. Hmm, how about that? Okay. I asked the question, right? I didn't say I knew it's out of date. I shouldn't have done that, and that got into his report. Anyway, um, 
So he writes this ticket, wouldn't give me a warning, just wrote the ticket looking for revenue. And then he let me on my way. But before he did that, he went around, he checked all the chains. He wanted to make sure that the, uh, uh, that the safety brake was working. And he was trying to bust me on a whole bunch of stuff on safety. But he couldn't find anything except for this, uh, this plate. So my, my goal here is to clog up the system, right? I'm not going to take the plea. I'm going to take it to court, but not before I try to get a couple of motions in and try to, you know, just make, make it cost them a lot of money. Right. It was $103.33 was the bill. $103? $103.33. Yeah, I mean, this is, they couldn't find anything wrong with it from a safety standpoint. This is just about revenue of, of registering the trailer. Now, I can kind of see how they might come up with the idea of registering a vehicle and how, you know, you have to have the little numbers on the back that are, you know, checked on a regular basis to make sure if, if a car is used to rob a bank, they know which one it is, but when, um, you know, which car it is, and they can look at, and see who owns it and all that stuff. But making that argument for a trailer is much more difficult. Well, and in New Hampshire, you have to get it inspected, too. You know, it's not just a matter of getting the registration. You have to take it down. Take your trailer down to the inspection dude, pay the 40 bucks, and get the inspection every single year. Plus the, the I don't know, 100 bucks or so they charge you for the, the tag. I mean, it's just insane. Right. Colorado doesn't require an inspection. You, you give them the 100 bucks, and they give you your, your tag. Well, you know, every so, state's different. Yep. Right. Anyway, I, I'm making this a too long story. So, so I, I file a motion for a continuance, and I get this motion. The idea is to push it back as far as you can so the cop forgets more and more stuff, and then also so the less chance that the cop is going to be there. So I finally um, I wanted to file another continuance because my star witness uh, had, had a funeral that day, so I called like the day before. He couldn't make it. And the prosecutor says, why are you doing this? This is just a, a little uh, you know, inspection or you know, registration fine. Did you ask him? Well, yeah, but why he was doing it? Uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> that would have been a good question. That's what I want to know. Well, why are you doing it, man? Why it's just a little it? registration well, thing. Right. Uh, so I said no. I, I, I want to do this. But so, are you saying that you're denying me a uh, continuance because uh, uh, you deny me a continuance because my my, uh, my witness can't be there? He says, well, why do you need a witness? <laughs> I said, well, you're going to have one. Yeah, no, no doubt. He denied, he denied it. He so denied the court. He denied that he would have a witness. The cop isn't going to be there. Uh, no, he, he denied me the continuance of a couple of weeks or a couple of months. I see. Okay, I got gotcha. you. You know, he, he wouldn't let me have my witness, but you know, his witness would certainly be there. So, so I get to court, and this is a court that's attached to the same building as a as a um, uh, pizza place. No, that's so awesome. You know we're, we're doing well here. Uh, and the um, so, I, so I get up there and... It, you know, if they're in that kind uh, of rundown building, maybe you should just give them the 103 bucks. <laughs> it sounds like yeah, they right. need it. Yeah. <laughs> they deserve it. <laughs> well, so, so the uh, I get up there and uh, uh, I, I told the judge, I have a motion for dismissal. You know, are you going to dismiss this thing because it seems kind of bogus? And the judge says, well, I'll, I'll read that after we have the trial. What kind of okay, sense does that whatever. make? Yeah. I, that's, I, obviously, she didn't read it. I gave it to her months ago, right? But she didn't read it. Right. So finally, okay, so here's the fun part. So the, um, uh, the cop starts to get up there, um, and he's got in his hand. Oh, oh no. Oh, before this, they called me. The prosecutor called me into his little office, and he says, are you sure you want to take this to trial? I said, yeah. He says, well, you know, I got a deal for you. I'll cut it in half if you do it guilty right now. 
Well, so did you offer? Deal they make, right? Yeah, that's how they always do it. Did you offer them right. a better deal? Say something like, um, "You drop this and give me some money, and I won't uh, file charges against you." <laughs> I don't think they're worried about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not worried about that. All right, so tell well, me the fun well, part. Well, he, well, he said, uh, "Well, we, uh, you know, I, I filed the motion for dismissal." And he says, "We're not going to dismiss it." And I said, "Well, really? Are you the judge now? Because that's her job." Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean, I, it just goes to yeah. show how in bed these people are. We aren't going to dismiss it. I'll bet we aren't. Right. And we and, and thank right. you. I wish I had recorded that. Right, exactly. I didn't have my recorder at the time. So, so we get in there, and the cop walks up to the witness stand with a little pink piece of paper, right? The, uh, the 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 traffic citation. Then he had written his words on the back, and I had already requested a uh, you know evidence, all their discovery stuff. And he, as he was walking up there, I said, "I object." And everybody said, "What?" <laughs> I said. Uh, uh, I have a right by the U.S. Constitution for memory recollection. Uh, I, I have a right to be uh, accused by my um, uh, by the witness, not by a piece of paper. And if he can't recall based on his memory, then he is an incompetent witness. Okay, it's a good point. So he, Sounds good he's to getting me. all flustered, and the judge is saying, uh, well, 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 and while she's talking about why she's going, going to allow it, this dude is up on the witness stand just with his face in this thing, just reading it, you know, trying to re- recall everything based on what he wrote. Memorize everything he can. Because okay. it might be taken away from him. All right. I, I, I want to find out what, what happens here, and uh, you can wrap it up, um, and we'll, we'll be back. It's uh, Free Talk Live. Give us a call at 1-800-259-9231. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet! And get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. Free Talk Live, 1-800-259-9231. And uh, go, to, go check out uh, freetalklive.com. We've got listen lines over there. You can listen on live streams, the webcam, listen lines, all kinds of ways for you to listen at listen.freetalklive.com. And uncovering the secrets and exposing the lies. That's what the readers of freedomsphoenix.com get every day. Readers of freedomsphoenix.com are constantly provided with the detailed real news that lies between the lines of propaganda and the relationship that we all have with coercive governments. Freedomsphoenix.com offers up-to-the-minute updates on the economy, technology, communications, and the rise of the police state. You know, sometimes they have archaeology and stuff and history stuff in there, too, that I really enjoy. You can go now to freedomsphoenix.com and sign up for their free daily dispatch. Clearly, I get it. I do enjoy it. And uh, they're doing good work over there at freedomsphoenix.com. 
So we were uh, talking to, to Brian from uh, New Hampshire, and he was telling us about his traffic ticket and how he managed to, uh, you know, the, the mistakes he made along the way and how he managed to get out of it. And I think this is important stuff for all of us to sort of know about traffic tickets. And uh, let's see if we can get him back on here. Brian? Hey, guys. All right. So we were getting to the good part. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It took so long. No, no. So, that's uh, well, to, to, to recap, the cop stopped me. Uh, said that my the registration on my trailer was out of date, and I looked at that and said, oh, look at that. Uh, I okay. then said, oh, look at that, it is, or something like that, okay? All right. That was the first mistake. And then I get to court, and the judge, first of all, she says, um, uh, just, you know, to read into the record, you know, they have their, all, all their official lingo and rules and, you know, procedures and all sort of crap. And she said, uh, just, uh, you know, to let, to let you know, Mr. Travis, uh, uh, Route 101, important, Route 101 yes. is a public way. And that means that, you know, you are, uh, you know, uh, required to obey all the laws of this public wayness or whatever. Sure. Uh, and then do you, do you understand that? Yes. Okay. Right. So then the cop, then the cop comes up as the state's witness. He's holding this pink piece of paper. He sits down and say, I object uh, on grounds of uh, memory recollection. And I got this idea from Bill, who's another um, activist here in the area, and he, he used it pretty well in his, in his trial. So now the cop is getting all flustered, and the the, uh, the judge says, it's okay, I'll allow him to, to use that to refresh his memory, even though I said, uh, case law says that if, if, if the witness needs a piece of paper to refresh his memory, he's an incompetent witness. He will do it anyway. Apparently they... So now I got... She doesn't mind if he's incompetent. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, now, now I've got grounds... I did that, so I'd have grounds for an appeal. Makes sense. So um, so he's there, you know, busily reading it. So finally, she lets him have it, and then he starts, uh, you know, reading. And, you know, approximately, you know, this time on this date, uh, you know, the uh, defendant was uh, uh, going down Route 101A, and then he was, he was reading into it again. He had his face in there, and he paused, and I objected again. I said, memory recollection, he's an incompetent witness. And she said, I'll allow it. And I was getting kind of flustered. This dude's a senior patrolman. He's done this a thousand times. But by throwing him off guard, he made a mistake. And here's what he did. Okay. Uh, he got a little bit into it, and then he, he looked up at the judge and he said, did you say Route 101? She said, yes, it's in, it, that's what you put here in the docket. Um, oh, well, it's 101A. And, you know, to me, that doesn't make any difference, right? But I should have noticed that. Yeah. Anyway, he, he said... Um, she said, well, that's a pretty big difference, you know. I mean, you said it was, he was traveling out Route 101, but now he's, he's on Route 101A. Uh, and then she looks at the prosecutor, and the prosecutor stands up and it says, uh, the people would like to amend their complaint. You know, in other words, they, they want to change the charges against me. I'm sitting right, right there in court. I guess that's time anyway, for an objection. I said, I object. <laughs> and, uh, and she said, well, you know, uh, prosecutor, you know, this is uh, – uh, quite a fine time to be, you know, she's being sarcastic, quite a fine time to be, uh, you know, changing this. Uh, you know, we don't have time for this thing. Uh, you should have done your homework. Not guilty. Wow. That is lucky. So, okay, so so the, the, the lessons I learned, and I was going to be convicted there. I mean, I would have been guilty. I would have appealed it just, just to cost them more money. But, um, but the lesson I learned, don't talk to cops ever, 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 ever. I mean, I knew better. And I, and I still did. Yeah. Never, ever talk to them. Uh, if, if you're forced to answer a question, answer a little question or say, my goodness, officer, isn't the sky blue today? Mm -hmm. I mean, never talk to them because everything you use, 
will be used against you. They're good at this. They, they taught, they, they stop a hundred people a day. You get stopped once every couple of years. They know how to do this. Okay. The second well, one, not only will everything you say be used against you, but nothing you say can be used in your favor. Exactly. And you, you can try to use it in your favor, but they're always going to win because it's their system. Uh, the, 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 uh, the second thing is that, um, I should have I should have been paying more attention and noticed that little tiny technicality because they sure do. They love their little yeah. their little technical technicalities are the things that are going to get you off. I mean, it, there's no justice left in the judicial system. It's all technicalities, and it's uh, it's it's disgusting. But that's pretty much the way it goes. Brian, thanks for the right, call. Exactly. Okay. Thank you, sir. And uh, let's let's take up Ian from from Michigan. Ian. Hey guys. What's going on? Not too much. I just wanted to share a story about the uh, local postal bureaucracy today. Um, so I'm there, and I'm sending a package, and as usual, I'm standing in line. There's three people behind the front desk. Only one of them's helping anybody. Um, it's, amazing waiting, how, waiting. it's amazing how the lines get it piled up at the post office, and they're trying harder than they used to. I assure you that they're working much harder than they used to to provide better service, but they're still just not very good at it because they've got a monopoly on you know first-class mail, so they, they, you know, the incentives just aren't there for them. They're trying, but they're, they're not pulling it off. Yeah, that's true, but he started getting a little upset um, after a while, and um He's moving through the people, and then he turns to the two ladies that are standing doing whatever and says, are you two going to spend all day sending that package together? And he looks around and doesn't get a response, and I kind of turn to the woman next to me, and I answered for him and go, yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. And she turns, she responds back to me, yeah, probably uh, half of tomorrow, too. <laughs> so, I, so I thought it was funny, and I like that other people recognize the inefficiency of the bureaucracy, but um, I guess my point is just that people understand that, but they just can't understand the right solution to the inefficiencies, and you know, that's a big problem. Yeah, you know, I was I was listening today to one of the one of the talk shows out there. I think it was uh, the Tom Hartman show or something, and he he was just talking about how they were going to fix the school lunch system. Finally, we can fix the school lunch. System. 50 years of school lunches, and we know what we have. I mean, we, we know what the school lunch system results in. We've got that, and he wants to fix it. It's just, you know, I mean, I'm sure everybody's got a good idea on how to fix it, but their idea, once once that's you know, put into the process of being implemented, is going to be twisted and bastardized and, and just messed up to the point that it isn't even their idea anymore. Yeah, um, and I mean, even the guy working there was, I mean, he, he realized that these people that he worked with were, were incompetent boobs. But, um, you know, they, they just need a paradigm shift that's going to be difficult, but um, I don't know what else to say about that. Well, thanks, thanks for giving us a call and telling us about your story, Ian. Thanks for the call. 1-800-259-9231. You're listening to Mark. And Sean. And here on Free Talk Live, and... Uh, Stay tuned. In the decades to come, hardy adventurers will colonize the solar system, rediscovering freedom and finding vast new wealth. 
But the government of Earth will seek to extend its power and claim that wealth as its own any way it can. Escape from Terra, Volume 1, the first trade paperback collection of the popular adventure webcomic series, is available now for $12.95 from Big Head Press at BigHeadPress.com. Free Talk Live, 1 800 259 9231. It's your show. Give us a call. Call in and talk about whatever you want to talk about. But uh, while we're waiting for those calls, we'll uh, talk about some things we want to talk about. Also, go over to uh, freetalklive.com. Check out the shrine, the shrine of female listeners. We have new pictures there that are sent in by uh, ladies who listen to the show, who validated that they, in fact, do listen to the show by taking a picture of themselves holding a, a sign or something like that. Go see the, uh, the female listeners at shrine.freetalklive.com. And School Sucks Podcast provides ideas and information about the eventual end of childhood subjugation because indoctrination plus regurgitation plus graduation does not add up to a real education. Please visit schoolsucksproject.com to learn more. Schoolsucksproject.com. So, uh, Sean, we're uh, talking about uh, – you, you have some story here about uh, judge, reporter, First yep. Amendment? Yeah, a uh, judge has barred a reporter from publishing legally obtained factual info saying she doesn't care if it violates the First Amendment. Legally obtained factual information – and the judge doesn't care if it uh, violates the First Amendment. That's what it says here. I found this on the uh, front page of Free Talk Live, and it's from uh, techdirt.com. Uh, they found it from the Citizen Media Law Project, and my monitor just went out. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? Uh, so, the, um, uh, do, do, so do you have the story? I do. Okay, great. Na- I, lay it on me. Uh, the National Law Journal was barred from publishing information it had obtained legally in reporting about a dispute between a law firm and one of its former clients about fees. According to the National Law Journal, D.C. Superior Court Judge Judith Bartnoff signed a temporary restraining order barring it from publishing the material the reporter had found out, specifically saying that the National Law Journal could not name the government agency that was involved in a regulatory inquiry into one of the participants of the lawsuit. When the NLJ reporter pointed out pointed to the First Amendment, the judge allegedly replied that she did not care. "Quote: If I am throwing out eighty years of First Amendment jurisprudence, on, excuse me. If I am throwing eighty years of First Amendment jurisprudence on its head, so be it." She said, "The court's interest in maintaining the integrity of its docket trumped the First Amendment concern." Wow. Now, so uh, it, the court's interest in you know its its paperwork and stuff like that is more important than the highest law in the land. Yes. You know, this is this, this is what people need to sort of understand about uh, these judges and, and the whole judicial system and how it operates. I know they say there's a constitution. I know they act like they they go by it. They don't. I mean, this judge, this isn't even this isn't even like a, a judge on, of any import. She's not a, a appellate court judge. She's not a Supreme Court justice of some state or something like that. This is just some crappy old judge this is a superior court judge for the district of columbia this big fat nothing. hairy deal and she says that she doesn't care what the first amendment says if she's throwing 80 years of jurisprudence out on its ear so be it it's amazing what they'll try to get away with it doesn't matter what you think the constitution says it matters what they think it says 
<laughs> Apparently, she doesn't even care what what it, what 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 it says at this point. So, um, and and this was this was some law journal. This isn't this isn't the National Enquirer or something like that. I mean, this is no. This is the National Law Journal, which I am not personally familiar with, but I'm assuming is a fairly significant scholarly journal about law. Yeah, it sounds like it's something for for lawyer types to to you know be reporting on. And they just they didn't want some government agency's information that they were you know snooping around they didn't want all that uh going out into the national law journal yeah and it's not even like this was uh, obtained through some kind of leak or anything like that this was legally obtained information completely factual completely factual all correct and it can't be printed because the judge says so so anything about some kind of appeal here uh Uh, the journal is looking to appeal the reading but uh it really makes you wonder what the judge was thinking well, I, I I imagine the judge was thinking, we don't generally care what the Constitution says. Why do I have to pretend like I'm going by it now? Um, <laughs> I hope that they do appeal this. I hope that, uh, you know, that things turn out for them. I I would imagine that they're going to have to pretend like they care what the Constitution says here. It's, it's a difficult thing to get around. And this lady's uh, quote is... Pretty damning, in my opinion. <laughs> um, I, I I suspect they'll they'll probably she'll probably do better on on appeal, but then the news is going to be old and stale, and nobody's going to care about it at that point anyway. Yeah, at that point, it, it's completely irrelevant. It, it it doesn't matter how long it it takes. This is probably going to fade away in a couple of days. It tends to do that. Any yeah. bad news like this, not good news for the American judicial system. Then again, you know. What are you going to do? I got another one here. Uh, this one from Elmhurst, Illinois, off Inquisitor.com. One of the biggest cases of what the heck we've reported in a long time. An Illinois town is attempting to make eye-rolling illegal. The idea to ban eye-rolling came about after a local resident in Elmhurst was thrown out of a council meeting after rolling her eyes after hearing a local councilor talk. I can't tell you how many times I've rolled my eyes after hearing some local uh, person on some board or another in my town talk. These, the way these people talk, they don't know what the heck they're talking about. Well, they're politicians. Anything they say makes me want to roll my eyes. Because ejecting a member of the public for something as innocuous as eye-rolling, um, as, as if that wasn't enough, the council has asked the city attorney to look to create a disturbance and disorderly conduct violation that would ban eye-rolling in public. Ah, disorderly conduct. That's their favorite. But apparently this one's going to specifically name eye-rolling and not just in the council chambers, because you wouldn't want to make it seem that way, in public. So when a teenage son rolls his eyes at his mother, he's going to get arrested now? Uh, I suppose it could happen. I don't know if that's considered public, but depending on where he does it. Down in the square? Yeah, right. The law, if implemented, and it won't be, could, in theory, make eye-rolling illegal in public, although the counselors were quick to point out that they wouldn't necessarily go to fining people of Elmhurst if they were caught in this highly contentious act. So they're going to selectively enforce this law only when they want to. I think that, you know, these two stories here go well together to just sort of show the the level, the, the, the way that uh, the government views its uh, subjects. I know they tell you you're a citizen. I know you believe you've got rights. I, I know all these things. But you would think that among those rights was be, the ability to report facts and the ability to roll your eyes when some idiot 
who believes themselves to be honorable in some way or another uh, says something stupid. You would think, but uh, they don't seem to work that way anymore. No, no. I, I mean, don't know if they ever did. I, I, I don't know how it uh, has been in the past, but I, I, I can see that the... Uh, that they're either they're getting desperate and and attempting to squeeze harder so that more sand runs out of their finger between their fingers or uh or they're just growing the government they're going to be successful i don't think in either one of these cases that they're liable to be successful just shows sort of the the lack of care for people's civil rights we don't need the stinking civil rights it shows uh the the level of control that these people are willing to bring down upon you and I people that were you know the, the idea was that we were free well, I was told I was told I grew up in a free country you were lied to Mark yeah so was I <laughs> I mean the things uh, amongst the things that I would have expected from a free country were simple things like being able to roll your eyes and uh, to uh, be able to report the truth but no that's not acceptable no it, it, it seems that uh, the system is broken but unfortunately I don't think it is I think it's working just like it's supposed to you think so? Just yeah. operating the way it is? Well, I was uh, reading on Facebook today. Somebody was talking about those WikiLeaks. Uh, the way, um, they were talking about how, you know, they should string this guy up. He's a traitor. He's endangering our service people. Blah, 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 blah. No, he's I mean, not. He, he's helping President Barack Obama keep his campaign promises. <laughs> President Obama said transparency. Here we have it. Thank you, WikiLeaks. There you go. That's all we're looking for is a little transparency around here. You know, when they've got videotape of uh, of a um, airship gunning down civilians, uh, you know, civilians that aren't doing anything dangerous. Well, you know, I think we should be able to see things like that. Yeah, that was a horrible video. I yeah, it's difficult to watch. Yes, it was. 1-800-259-9231. Free Talk Live. Give us a call. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. Free Talk Live. Give us a call at 1-800-259-9231. It's Mark with you. And Sean. Yep. Ian is uh, he's away. He's uh, at some kind of local TV board meeting or something like that. It's not wasting, wasting his time somehow. Give us a call at 1-800-259-9231. And um, if you want to find out uh, how to get Free Talk Live on local stations where you are, go to localfaq.freetalklive.com. That's localfaq.freetalklive.com. FreeTalkLive.com. And from coast to coast, the increasingly militarized American police state has grown out of control. Police officers have become law enforcement officers. And it's an epidemic of police brutality and murder across our society. The answer? Film the cops and put it on YouTube. A critical mass of police brutality videos is being assembled online, and a change is going to come. You can check out freedomcam.net. They offer discreet video cameras to help you avoid confiscation while you video. 
freedomcam.net and uh, freedomcam.net is actually having a summer sale on spy video cams now so go check them out at freedomcam.net so um we've got a uh, a call in here and it's Ilya from New York Ilya are you there Hello Hello Ilya Hi there Mark. how are you I'm well sir and you I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Sorry I missed your call today. I've uh, been feeling a little bit under the weather. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I'm going to talk about ancient coins. Okay. What about them? Oh, what about them? It's really interesting how history has a tendency of repeating itself. Uh, uh, what I studied about ancient coins is that um, in the beginning, for example, in the Roman Republic, when the Roman Republic didn't have the army controlling it and they didn't have a dictator, right. you had uh, nice silver and gold, everything It had... Uh, a set standard of silver or gold to it, or even bronze. But over time, as uh, as the empire expanded, they needed to pay for more and more military. You would see things such as the debasement of currency. Mm. Uh, so you would uh, have uh, eventually silver completely taken out of uh, circulation, almost completely, uh, until you had even the bronze pieces would become smaller and smaller until the fall of the Roman Empire. Uh, let's say around 410 to around 450 was already, you know, really weak. So um, it's really interesting studying ancient coins, um, especially on my website. I have a sale going on right now, a 25% discount on a bunch of coins, and I also have a whole lot of uh, items starting at 99 cents. Yeah, you know, um, so, I, your, your, your website, trustedcoins.com, I have gone there myself and purchased some uh, some ancient coins. I. I uh, I think that's really neat the idea that you can have a coin in your hand that's in in some cases almost three thousand years old. I mean you've got a you've got a lot of old coins there. Now they're not yeah, all well, made most, of. Go ahead. Yeah, most people think they're, uh, they're these coins aren't available that they should only be in museums. But if you think about it, every the empire needed a lot of uh, money, a lot of coins to circulate around in order to get get their things moving. You know, pay for their army and all this stuff. So especially a coin of Constantine the Great would be very affordable. have a lot of items starting at like five bucks of Constantine the Great. Uh, one of the motifs is interesting. Um, when, when Constantine founded Constantinople, he made two issues. He made one celebrating Rome and its founders, Romulus and Remus, in the reverse, mm-hmm. and another coin that's a Constantinople commemorative, um, celebrating the founding of his new capital which has uh, Constantinople on the back uh, on a ship, you know, I guess uh, floating across the ocean to the new Roman uh, capital. Interesting. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's amazing to, to see these coins. I mean, there's just a huge variety of them, and, and they're all, uh, you know, many, many of them are very, very old. And, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing the idea that you can own them. And uh, so, so many of them aren't silver or gold, so they're not that expensive. Uh, they're not that expensive, yeah, they're not that expensive at all. It's mostly bronze pieces, actually, but, you know, it's uh, really interesting. Well, the most interesting thing is that I provide a certificate of authenticity where I uh, have uh, whatever I have described, a little bit of history described in the certificate. So if you're giving it as a gift, it, it looks really nice because, you know, a person, if you just give them an ancient coin, they'll be like, what the hell is this? But if you give them a certificate of authenticity along with it, which describes the coin, what when it was minted, what what emperor or what Greek city it was, yep. and uh, it makes it so much more, um, you know, coherent for a person to understand, you know, that they're holding a 
Vince Vista in the hands. It's absolutely true. If you if you own a um, 1971 Eldorado convertible, you've got basically a rolling pile of junk. But if you own a 1971 Eldorado convertible, that you can you can say that Elvis owned this car, then suddenly it's 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 a big deal. And if you have these sort of these certificates of authenticity, the way that you build the value behind these coins, that's uh, it, it 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 increases the value in people's minds. Ilya, thank you for for calling and letting us know about it. It's trustedcoins.com. So, Sean, we've been talking about sort of the way the, uh, the those that rule us, the the leaders, as it were, the uh, the judges and the the politicians might be, uh, you know, they think about the world in a different fashion than than sort of the average person does. I've got an article right here from Politico.com that sort of highlights that. In their opinions on policy and um, policy and politicians ranging from President Barack Obama to Sarah Palin, elites in Washington have a strikingly divergent outlook from the rest of the nation, according to a new Politico poll uh, released on Monday. Obama is far more popular, while Palin, the former Alaskan governor, is considerably less so, whatever that means, uh, to the vast majority of D.C. elites. The Tea Party movement is a fad. The rest of the nation is less certain, however, and many viewing it as a potential viable third party in the future. The survey also reveals a surprising degree of how those involved in policymaking and political process it t- in t- uh, tend to have a much rosier view of the economy than does the rest of the nation. Of course, because they're not going to lose their jobs. They're not going to lose their jobs. They're not going to lose their pensions. They're not going to lose their health benefits. Yep. They're covered. Not a- as long as the nation still exists and it's difficult to imagine, you know, what what has been the most powerful nation on earth not existing. So it's happened before in ancient Rome and in ancient Greece. Yep. And lots of times it happens empires come and go indeed and in uh, some cases dramatically different impressions of leading office holders political forces and priorities for governing the first six um the first in a six-month power and people series the online survey was conducted for politico by the polling firm pen um, shane berlin overall the uh, more than a um, a thousand people were surveyed nationally and have a they have a very pessimistic view on the direction of the country take a listen take a listen to these numbers sean about 27% believe the country is headed in the right direction, compared with 61% who think the nation is on the wrong track. Likewise, when asking whether the national economy is heading down the right track or not, 24% of people have their heads in their butts, compared to 65% that believe that it's on the wrong track. Yet, among the 227 Washington elites polled, by the way, that 27% that think the country's on the right track, they probably work for some local or state government or, or some federal level elsewhere. Yeah, probably. It, it'll explain what they, qual- they qualify as a Washington elite here shortly. Among the 227 Washington elites polled, more than more uh, think the country is on the right track. That's 49%. And that the economy is in um, on on the economy. Forty four percent of the elites think the the country is on the right track. So nearly double uh, on these numbers of politicians and Washington elites believe that the country is on the right track. And it just goes to show, well, how deluded they are there. It's not that I don't think they're deluded. I think they just have a different opinion of which direction we should be going. Indeed, uh, they believe that uh, they they're, they probably believe they're providing some valuable service too. To qualify as a Washington elite for the poll, respondents must live within the D.C. metro area, earn more than $75,000 a year, have at least a college degree, and be involved in the political process. Are the people that make more than $75,000 that are involved in uh, 
um, the political process and live inside the metro area? I don't know. Anyway, um, or work in a key political issue or policy decisions. Washington elites seem um, conscious of the fact that they have a different point of view than the rest of the country. As 74% said, they have felt the current economic downturn less than most Americans. So they got that right. They also recognize the economy and jobs are foremost in the minds of voters. When asked to identify the most important issue facing the country, 52% of elites and 48% of respondents for the rest of the country identified economy and jobs. So it looks like they, you know, at least they understand from whence the axe may fall. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it shows just how separated they are from those things. Asked how important the economy and jobs are in the United States, 86% of Washington elites said very important, just 1% uh, less in the general population. Both groups are also in agreement healthcare, um, in healthcare, uh, in, a, in, a, in agree, um, this is just a weird word. Both groups are also in agreement on uh, healthcare, where 65% of the general population and 24% of Washington elites say that it's very important. In other issues, though, the two groups are worlds apart. 65% of the general population views Social Security as very important, compared to only 41% of Washington elites. Same goes for immigration. 53% of the general public says it's very important, meaning keep those Mexicans out. Compared to 36% of Washington elites say, eh, big deal. Family values, 62% of voters, and 23% for Washington elites. Free Talk Live, 1-800-259-9231. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. It's it's free talk live, and it's Mark with you and Sean. Ian is out this evening and maybe showing up a little bit later. May not. It's uh, you know there's no promises there. But uh, until then, you're you're stuck with us. So give us a call and uh, call in and talk about whatever you want to talk about. It's it's free talk live after all. That's what we do. It's so, free talk live. It's not the Ian show, so we don't need him. <laughs> that's right. We don't. So. Um, uh, well, let's let's make it the the showerhead show. What uh, what story do you have there for me, Sean? Ah, showerheads. I have a story on some new regulations over luxury showers. Gene uh, Goforth sells showerheads, big ones, like the Raindance Imperial Six Hundred AIR, selling for as much as five thousand four hundred and fifty seven dollars. You've got to have a lot of jack to uh, <laughs> spend five grand on a showerhead. Either that, or work for the government. 
I, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, you mean uh, a government? The government might spend that much money on a shower head. I don't think there's too many government bureaucrats out there that uh, make enough money. I mean, certainly the top level ones, but five thousand okay. dollars for a shower head is that's for a very very wealthy person. Yeah. Well, it has a twenty four inch spray face, three hundred and fifty eight no clog channels, and a triple massage under it. Uh, option. I'm. I'm sh- uh, the option. So I wonder what it costs with the option. Five thousand dollars. I just can't get over that price tag. That's a. Uh, it's crazy. I. Um. I, I had a friend of mine. She was actually a roommate of mine, but she would uh, leave for three or four months out of the year to go house sit at another friend of hers. Uh, a friend of hers house, and this house was really, really nice in uh, Sarasota, Florida. It was on the bay, like an $8 million house or something like that. And, I, you know, we'd go over there sometimes for, for dinner, that kind of thing. And um, the the bathroom was set up so that it uh, you when you turn the light on, the lights would come up slowly. So you weren't shocked by that the, the light just popping right on. It would slowly move. It would dim up to, to full brightness. And then when you turned it off, it slowly go down. The, the, water, the tap in the uh, sink would do the same thing. It didn't just start shooting water out all over the place. That'd be too, that's, that's for the little people, you know. Um, so it would slowly work its way up to full throttle. Then, you, you know, take care of it or whatever. I'm sure the towels were only used once and then uh, then washed yeah. after you dried your hands on them. But it, it's just, I, I, these people live a completely different way than I do. I was working with a contractor at one point in time who, as far as the lights went, didn't even bother with switches anymore. He went and put in motion sensors throughout his house. So he had so lights just came on wherever he went. That's uh, probably less expensive than <laughs> than uh, what it is that these rich people put in their houses often, and um, it, it's it's a pretty cool idea. Yeah. Well, now Mr. Goforth is in a lather over the federal government. In a lather. Ha! In a lather. Ha! Over the federal government's tough new line on water hogging showerheads, part of a new effort to enforce energy and water use regulations. Leave my shower alone, Mr. Goforth recently wrote in a letter to the Department of Energy. I don't think they're going to listen to that one. No, they don't really care at all. So, um, now, I, I think that, the, the, you know, they want to they control showerheads. Do they, have they been doing this all along? Well, there, there have been laws on the books about showerheads for 20 years. But apparently they've been using a loophole in, the, in it that... Uh, Allows that defines a showerhead as one unit dispensing water, and now they're trying to change it to a showerhead is all the units contained within a shower which dispense water. So it used to be they could control they, now they they could control how much went through the showerhead. Now they control how much goes through all the showerheads at once. Right. It used to be if you had if you wanted to escape the two and a half gallon per minute rule. You just installed a second showerhead, and now you can have five gallons per minute. You know, I um, my at my father-in-law's house, um, or my father-in-law and mother-in-law's house. I'm, I'm sure if uh, they were to get a divorce, she'd get it. Um, the uh, they the, he he's a pipe fitter from the from Chicago, and so he can do all this stuff. He put in several showerheads so that you could enjoy lots of water while you you bathed. I imagine that's exactly why he did it. Yeah, to get around those silly rules. Well. Regulators are going after some of the luxury shower fixtures that took off in the housing boom. Many have multiple nozzles, cost thousands of dollars, and admit as many as 12 gallons of water a minute. Holy crap, that's a lot of water. It is a lot of water, and I imagine that the people who can afford to put in all those water, all those shower heads, can afford to pay for 12 gallons of water a minute going down the drain. Yep, yep. And if they can afford to pay for it, well, it's their water. Let them do what they want with it. 
you know, they 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 seem to be worried about the usage of water and things like that. But they, I, I think they they have one picture of how water is used. You know, that it comes in from a pipe. It leaves your house from a pipe and then goes to some kind of water treatment center and then the government has to pay or whatever. Which, of course, if the government knew what they were doing, they'd just charge people on some kind of basis for you know usage. But they really can't even do that very well. Um, but where I live, my water comes down a mountain. And I, you know, it's it's collected uh, in this you know, well thing, and and we pump it up, we use it, pump it out into a, uh, uh, you know, a, a tank, which then runs out through a leach field. So essentially, is all I am is diverting uh, the flow of the water down the mountain, because otherwise it would just roll down a stream. So it wouldn't matter how much water I used; it would still go to the leach field and still be cleaned out, and no big deal. So they're what they're doing is they're affecting my life with their legislation. This one size fits all legislation. Sure they are, and it, it doesn't really matter that much. This planet is 70% water. I don't think we're going to run out. Okay, it might be expensive to purify and clean it, but The only we'll reason it's that. expensive is because the government's been in charge of the water for so long. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, somebody, some some smart businessman would have figured out some way to provide water on a more cost-effective basis if it wasn't for the fact that the government essentially steals your money to pay for the piping that, that they to which they deliver it to your house with already. So you have to pay for this socialist uh, hydro distribution system that they have already. So you might as well take their water that they you know pump from the city. And I'm sure some towns and cities have made it illegal to compete with them. Yeah, and and that's got to be hard to enforce. But uh, actually, the water purification really isn't going to be that hard. I saw a video some months back of somebody who's come up with a water filter, fits in a bottle, purifies the entire bottle in about three seconds. He poured in raw sewage and drank it about three seconds later. Gosh. And it was perfectly clean, perfectly safe. So it can be done on a pretty uh, on a cost-effective basis. Incredible. That's a heck of a story. Yeah, I Whoa. wish I had that video handy or something more about, about it. it. But anyway, um, industry response has been fast and furious. It was saying it was not the legislative intent of Congress to authorize the Department of Energy to regulate the bathing habits of American wrote, um, of Americans. Wrote Fe- Frederick Despero, vice president of California Faucets, a Huntington Beach, California manufacturer, in a letter to the Department of Energy. So he says that it wasn't uh, the, the Congress did, wasn't trying to tell the Department of Energy that they're in charge of all water. Uh, that's what he says, but well, it seems sometimes... to me that if they're going, you know, that something this radical should be a law passed through Congress. I don't think it's any any more right or just or fair or good if uh, if it goes through Congress. But it seems crazy to me that the Department of Energy would just be able to say, "Yeah, this is this now applies to everything." Yeah, well, the the Congress has supposedly has the sole legislative power. If you read that document that they claim to follow and don't do a very good job of, but Congress has proceeded to give it away to, I don't know how many regulatory agencies who've produced, I don't know how many regulations. Yeah, they've done it. So uh, go on with the story. Uh, the showdown is a challenge to President Obama and his energy secretary, Stephen Chu, as they try to cajole or compel, or coerce, or something along those lines. They're just cajoling. They're just talking mean to them. Right. Americans to use water and energy more efficiently. Mr. Chu, a self-described zealot for energy efficiency, says he crawls around in his attic in his spare time, installing extra installation. 
No, that's not such a good thing. Too much insulation is is, is sometimes worse than not enough. Why is that? Um, it, it it would trap the external heat inside and make your air conditioner work harder. If what gets through your windows and whatnot, and it's also significantly more expensive. You know, um, and, and ins- insulation isn't entirely the isn't the answer. It's mostly air exchange. I mean, if you look at a deep uh, deep freeze uh, freezer. It's only got a little bit of insulation on it. Maybe uh, R6 or something like that. The reason the stuff stays cold in there is because you're not pumping air in and pumping air out all the time. That's what makes something hot or cold. Yeah. Those things, are, those are sealed rooms. There's there's no air going in. 603, uh, excuse me, 1-800-259-9230. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. Or visit porcupinerealtor.com. That's porcupinerealtor.com. Free Talk Live. Give us a call at 1-800-259-9231. And uh, check out startpage.com. You can take their seven-day challenge today at startpage.com. For seven days, use use their uh, search engine instead of your big brother search engine and experience a difference. You'll get search results aggregated from 12 major search engines. But unlike your old search engine, you'll have complete privacy in your search. You can start the seven-day challenge today at Start page.com i was uh, just using it today to look up auto parts i've got myself a new car the old one new and by new i mean an, another car <laughs> the old one uh, caught fire and so i need something to fix this used car i got and i was using startpage.com to to search and um it's mark with you and sean and we are here and we've been talking about water usage and how the government sort of decides how much water you can have when you take a shower. And we've got a call from David in New Hampshire, talking wanting to talk about the water. Hi, um, uh, you, I th- I think you all were talking about water and w- how much good water we have, and maybe the government hinders that or something. Yeah, am I wrong? Yeah, that's about right. It is okay, but. I was going to do a contrary point of view if sure, I go can. Ahead. Um, I think we'd have more good water if there was more government at some point. How so? Well, how many nice rivers do we have that we can drink out of? I don't know. I wouldn't drink out of too many rivers in general, but um, I mean, you know, once it gets down to the river level, I might consider a stream um, or certainly a spring um, and uh, a well. But I, you know, a stream makes me nervous, and rivers, I'm I'm certainly not into drinking. Um, by yeah. the way, David, the streams and the rivers are owned by the government. Well, I know one thing, and that is that the reasons those my 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 point of it, the reasons those rivers can't be drunk out of is because some company somewhere was allowed to dump garbage into them because they had freedom to do what they wanted and they weren't governed or restricted 
to the extent that they couldn't do that. You make a very no? good, you Wouldn't make a very you good agree point. With that? Yeah, 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 absolutely. You make a very good point. It's but it's not about um, you know like freedom and fairness have to go hand in hand. You're not free if somebody else can do something to the water that you're going to drink that you can't do to it. It's not fair, right, just, or um, you know, a, or free. Um, it doesn't have to do with the ideas of uh, of liberty. If I can say, say I'm upstream from you, and I can just dump all my raw sewage in the uh, in the creek and then send it on down your way. That's not fair. I mean, you could have been using that creek for uh, water to water your animals or something. So um, what that what that means is that you then have a claim against me. But because the government allows these companies to do that, you and I can't make a claim against them. They have uh, immunity from a lawsuit because the government said they could do it. So the problem with our rivers and streams today is that the government allows companies to dump a certain amount of stuff into the uh, into the water and makes it, you know, so the Cuyahoga catches fire and things like that. So it's it, what happened was at some point in the uh, the distant past, basically around the time of the Industrial Revolution, the, uh, the, the, the kings and rulers said something to the effect that, hey, look, you can't sue people for, um, you know, businesses for polluting your land because we need to be able to, you know, be productive and all that stuff. And it it essentially took the property rights of the individual, threw them out of the door for people who are more influential like businesses. Yeah, this would have been in uh, Great Britain. Uh, that was Great Britain. Yeah. Uh, it started with air pollution with uh, some apple orchards. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. David? Mm. Oh, I don't know. I just know that, yeah, you're right down the beginning of the century in the uh, late 18th century. I just know it's like steel mills and yeah. all that. So all those places. Certainly industry has made um, has been allowed to, by the government, and that's the only, the only organization that could allow them to do it. Industry has been allowed to, you know, do all kinds of terrible things to essentially public waterways. And I think that that's, uh, that's really what it comes down to. And when, when you know, the idea that a, a waterway is, belongs to the public is fallacious. Waterways belong to the government because they get to do whatever they want to do, which is, includes allowing their big business friends to dump in them. If the, the water was privately owned, the, the landowner would certainly have a claim against whoever dumped in it, even upstream, because it, it damages his ability to use that water. I have that instance going on right now. I have a company that works upstream from me, and I have a little little creek that runs through my property. And if they, for whatever reason, decided they wanted to dump some kind of pollutant into that creek, it would change my life. And I'm not, you know, they, they would owe me. And believe me, I'm going to sue them over it. Unfortunately, in the government courts, you're going to lose. Yeah, I may very well, but I'm going to go after him. David, anything else? Um, no, that's all right. That was um, a good good answer. Thanks. Thank you, sir. Thanks for calling in. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. 259 Give us a call, and uh, you know we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. It. Free Talk Live. So um, we we were talking about water, Sean. Please continue. Yeah, well, we were talking about showerheads specifically, and uh, what we've got is a 1992 federal law. It says a showerhead can deliver no more than 2.5 gallons per minute at a flowing water pressure of 80 pounds per square inch. For years, the term showerhead in federal regulations was understood by many manufacturers to mean a device that directs water onto a bather. Each nozzle in the shower was considered a separate was considered separate and in compliance if it delivered no more than the 2.5 gallon maximum. But in May, the Department of Energy said a showerhead may incorporate one or may more sprays, nozzles, or openings. 
Under the new interpretation, all nozzles would count as a single shower head and be deemed non-compliant if, taken together, they exceeded the two and a half gallons a minute maximum. Hmm. In May, the DOE's general counsel, Scott Blake Harris, fined four showerhead manufacturers $165,104 in civil penalties, alleging they failed to demonstrate compliance for some devices. So they didn't fill out the right paperwork, or their devices just didn't meet the sudden new rules that they changed on a whim. Yeah, it's, it, it. I mean, how can people be expected to keep up to date on these rules? I mean, not only is all all the federal laws where you couldn't possibly read them all in a lifetime, but all your state laws, all your local laws, um, and then add on top of that the the, the departments that control your industry. Uh, you know, in this case, it's the Department of Energy. But uh, you know, I, I I can't say I pour over the FCC rules and any kind of rule changes they make if they want to make some kind of rule change uh, to broadcasting, I wouldn't know what it was. Well, isn't that why you have the crack team of 40 or 50 lawyers in the back reading FCC regulations for you? Yeah, it's uh, th- th- that's what you'd think that I'd be able to afford, but it's not just just not so. It's not that good in, in radio land yet? No. <laughs> well, it, it may very well get better, but it's, it, it isn't now. Well, manufacturers and retailers say the uh, new rules affect not just upscale systems, but also those with handheld sprays used by the elderly and disabled. Ah, they're going after old people and cripples. Isn't that nice? Hey, I use one of those things. Wait a second. <laughs> I use them too, it's but co- it's, this it's, is what the article says. It's nice to spray water on spots you just can't get otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, multiple shower heads, often found in shower rooms at schools or gyms, could also be at risk. Oh, could you imagine a gym shower room with ten dispensers? Oh, yeah, they'll have to write the law differently, or the rule differently, so that they can, uh, you know, opt out of the the multiple shower room thing. Yep, something will have to change there. Yep. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. It's Free Talk Live. Give us a call. Talk about what you want to talk about. American patriots, would you like to spend a day or two with other freedom-loving Americans? Learn rifle marksmanship while hearing the real story behind the American Revolution? If you said yes, then the Appleseed program is for you. Part shooting school, part oral history lesson, Appleseed has trained thousands of Americans nationwide. And with hundreds of shoots scheduled this year, you can be sure there's one near you. For more information, go to AppleseedInfo.org. That's AppleseedInfo.org. Free Talk Live, 1-800-259-9231. It's your show. Call in about anything you want to talk about. And uh, while you're out there listening, go check out the archives at archives.freetalklive.com. We've got MP3 archives going back for years, years and years. All for free, unlike all the rest of the radio shows out there where you, I, I was just on a radio, uh, uh, you know, some website of some radio talk show host out there. And they wanted to charge you just to listen to the show today on the website, the 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 the, the live version they were going to charge you. And, and I'm sure put ads in there because obviously something has to go into the breaks. So um, you'd have to listen to ads and to get charged for it. Not at uh, archives.freetalklive.com. We've got uh, the, the, the last six day or seven days' worth of shows are on freetalklive.com on the front page. And then after that, you can go get the archives for free. And um, do you like your talk radio to yell bombastic slogans? 
Do you like to hear words like bombastic used in a sentence? Can you order Lysander Spooner, Peter Kropotkin, Emma Goldman, and Murray Rothbard by beard length? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then Thinking Liberty is the show for you. Thinking Liberty, the audio broadcast that turns listeners into DHS certified extremists. You can pick up their podcast today at thinkingliberty.net. And it's a great show. I'm going to have to check it out because I answered yes to all those questions. <laughs> can you? Who's got a longer beard, uh, Lysander Spooner or Peter Kropotkin? Okay, I made up that. Okay, there you go. But I'd guess Spooner. <laughs> I, I would, I, Spooner has quite a beard. So <laughs> apparently the show's not for us. We don't know. <laughs> we got a call. Um, it's Mac in Georgia. Uh, Mac, you there? Yeah. Great. So you called in about the police. What's happening, man? Yeah. Oh, my, I have a little defect story myself. Yeah. A little late um, on us. As you may know, as I'm not too much remember, um, my fiance, she has an eight-year-old child from a first marriage, and the father constantly calls defects on us about, you know, abuse and neglect and all that good stuff. So I get a phone, I get a phone call from defects and what is this, DFACS? What is this? This is the children, basically the Georgia children? Of, um, Department of Family and Children's Services. Okay. Um, so I get, a, I get a phone call from this um, lady, private number and everything. Well, Mr. Williams, we need, we need for you and your fiancé to come into the office. Why? We got some allegations. Okay, where are they? I can't tell you that. I say, okay, I'm not coming to the office, and y'all ain't coming out to my house without a warrant. Long story short, this lady was almost in tears begging to come out to my house. <laughs> I mean, she was that frustrated. So I, I called um, I called defect main office. I got over two and I'm like, look, you know, I don't know what's going on. You know, I want this lady to stop calling me. So phone call stopped for about. Mac, you there? From, yeah. Yeah. Uh, repeat what you just said. Let me go step outside. <laughs> yeah, the, the phone calls, you said the phone calls stopped for a while. Yeah, for a while, then I started getting the phone calls from another person. Okay. And he was like, well, we just want, we just want to investigate it, so, so, um, so, y'all, so we could just go ahead and get out of your life and, you know, the usual still that sure. we get. Sure, sure. If you just um, let us investigate, then we'll leave you alone. Yeah. But we have so, to invest. There's been charges made. We have to investigate. Yeah. So it turns out, I mean, so we let, let the guy along a little and found out that, you know, they put the charges and saying that we shot, shot my eight-year-old stepson with, with a BB gun as a form of punishment. Okay. Yeah, that, that was the accusation. Yeah, it's, it's quite an accusation. I used to shoot my friends when I was about that, that, that age with a BB gun, but uh, I wouldn't consider shooting my child with one now. No, the things look like a mug. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> they too. Yeah, they hurt. Anyways. Um, so, you know, I told, I so, you know, the, the man asked us to come to the office. I'm like, you know, I'm really not trust y'all because, you know, we put in, we put several reports in the defects. The defects told us to stop, or they was going to take us to court and take, take a little custody visitation that my fiance do have away. And they was going to bring us up on charges of filing false reports. Huh. And this is after, you know, calling Savannah, Savannah Metro Police. You know, had pictures taken of the bruises that he he come to my house with mm. on several occasions. You know, there's a problem when when the police comes and they send the forensics people to, to take pictures of an eight year old. Yeah, that uh, it does sound serious. And but you know, they never did anything about the um about the case because 
because the, the boys father lived in Denver County. It wasn't deal with, with where we had to do with another section of defects in in Savannah. I see. So this so this county uh, version of uh, of the child safety services or whatever it is, um, they're, they're they're trying to do the investigation on you, but uh, they couldn't do anything about the investigation of well, somebody who they actually had pictures and the the police sent out the forensics experts and that kind of thing. Yeah, they said, well, this, well, this is outside. The boy lives outside the county. We can't do anything about. It. Sorry, basically. Okay. So they finally wore us down over weeks. And we went to the office, and I'm like, you know, I really don't trust y'all. I don't understand why y'all keep coming into this, because the last time we went to the DPEC's office, what was down there at the other county, this is what they pretty much told us, and the, 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 boy, the boy's father's on, the boy's grandmother. Uh-huh. So I make accusations that we were dressing the boy up in women's clothes and sending him back like that. Like, yeah, we have clothes, but... I mean, my fiance was told she steals my stuff. So where are we getting all these women's clothing from? So they they were making the accusations that you're trusting the boy up in, in girls' clothes. Yeah. Oh, that would be strange. All right. Do they have a picture of this. No. no of, course of course not. not. Well, so, it seems like they ought to have a picture. Yeah, I will. I would think so. So the people, the people actually come take a look at the house. They took a look at the house. I mean, there's nothing wrong. We got food in the refrigerator. No BB guns, house clean, boy don't have no bruises on him. You know, there's nothing wrong. So So does the boy live with you or just part-time or what's the deal? My, my fiance has visitation um, twice a month. Twice a month, okay. Yeah. On two weekends a month I that, actually. So okay. basically the the man went and talked to went and talked to my eight year old and was asking about the stuff. He comes back about fifteen minutes later and He's like, well, this boy actually needs some help. And I'm like, but he wasn't going to no kind of detail. And he's like, well, I gotta, you know, I gotta go back to the office, and well, I'm going to put this referral out and that referral out and this and that. Haven't heard from the guy since this was going to three weeks ago. Gee, so he got you all scared about uh, what he was going to do, and then he hasn't done anything. Yeah, exactly. Incredible. <laughs> so, so you're just sort of still hanging out out on a, a hook there, waiting for him if he's going to do something. <laughs> And you still don't know what it might be? Yeah, I don't know, but I'm like, you know, I'm just going to live my life. And yeah, that's all you can do. Because I, say, I'm, I figure I might as well just go and deal my life and deal with it when it comes because this might be a model. It might be six months from now. It might be a year from now before they decide what to do. Indeed, that's all you can do. Mac, thanks for the call. See, he's gone there. <laughs> Give us a call at 1 and uh, Sean, uh, continue with the story if you would. Uh, yeah, manufacturers are saying customers will be disgruntled because of limited product range. Um, because uh, on these shower on, heads. On these shower heads. Yeah. Because uh, the, the government is trying to regulate exactly what a shower head is and redefining it to be however many nozzles happen to be within your shower. Yeah, it's not even the, legis- uh, the legislature. It's, it's in fact the, uh, it's the Department, of, Department Energy. of Energy just changing their rules. It's not even law. Um, yeah, well, uh, what they have to say is, did Congress limit consumer choice? Absolutely, says uh, Mr. Harris from the Department of Energy. When you waste water, you waste energy. Each multi-head shower fixture... When you buy water, you buy energy, right? Well, I would think so, but not Mr. Harris. Apparently, each multi-head shower fixture uses an extra 40 to 80 therm- thermal units of energy per year, 
equivalent to 50 gallons of gasoline or one barrel of oil. Which, uh, well, okay. Buy a barrel of oil, pay for it. There yep. you go. Problem Charge them for it. The market will fix whatever that problem happens to be. Oh, um, Mr. Harris does say that only manufacturers are subject to the new rules. They aren't going after homeowners directly. Well, homeowners will just figure out ways to set up their showers to, uh, I mean, the contractors will figure out ways to put up multiple shower heads without this rule. I mean, it's it, it, it's just silly, but just shows how they want to control your life. 1-800-259-9231. I'm trying to give out my uh, business line. Uh, give us a call at Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Toll House Morsels. There are a million reasons to bake with Toll House. Find yours at VeryBestBaking.com. A balanced diet is important, but so is the occasional treat. Working with your kids to bake a dessert from scratch helps them to appreciate it even more, and it keeps them from resenting having to eat their veggies every other day. Plus, baking is a perfect excuse to spend time with your kids, since just being together is a treat. For more tips like these, visit us at Parenthood.com slash YourFamilyToday. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. It's free talk live, and it's Mark with you and Sean. Yep, Ian is away right now at a at a meeting, and he you know may return during the show. He may return tomorrow. I'm certain he'll get the uh, the show up on the internet this evening. And if you've got any comments about uh, how Sean and I have run the show, if you've got any kind of tips or anything like that, how you felt versus uh, Ian running the show, please send me an email at mark at freetalklive dot com. And um, are you frustrated with the lack of freedom where you live? Are you tired of the oppressive state intruding upon your business and personal life? If you knew that thousands of liberty-loving people were all moving to the same place and getting active for liberty, would you join them? You can. Join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. When you join the Free State Project, you are pledging to move once 20,000 other people have pledged to move, and you'll move within five years, and uh, the place to move would be New Hampshire. Many of us, probably probably more than 1,000, certainly uh, 850 or so um, uh, people have already moved for the Free State Project, but that's we're just early movers. And you can go check, out, check it out at freestateproject.org. So we've uh, we've been talking about uh, water regulations and things like that on the show, but it is the show about your calls. And Mike from Missouri um, is calling in about government and religion. Mike? Hello, Mark. How are you, sir? I'm well. I called you guys a couple of days ago and uh, talked. That was my first time. Um, <clears throat> I, I just I heard on uh, via podcast, that's how I hear you guys, um, a lot of like... <laughs> I guess you'd say religious crackpots calling in and quoting Bible verses and things like that. Yeah, well, it's the radio, man. Everybody's got their own idea when it comes to to religion, you know? I remember when I was a kid, my dad, we'd go to the Waffle House, and there'd be people like, you know, drunk bums rambling on about religion. Everybody's got some opinion about religion. Oh, absolutely. And, like, especially, well, like like I told the screener, I listen to you through podcasts. I've not heard a live show yet. Okay. Well, here you are. You're listening and, on the phone. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, uh, and I was noticing, like, you had, guys had a little bit about circumcision and stuff, and you just had a couple crackpot weirdos call in and just say crazy stuff. Yeah, this one guy called and, in and said something to the effect that if you, don't, if you aren't circumcised, you're probably not going to go to heaven. Yeah, which, how the hell does he know? But anyway, what, 
I have a brother who is an Orthodox Christian, and we were talking about Orthodox this, Christian. Talking, yeah, he's he's Orthodox, which is basically uh, almost Catholic, Catholic without the Pope, pretty much. So, so, like Eastern Orthodox, Greek Orthodox, that kind of thing. Um, well, it's it's a Church uh, American Orthodox. It's kind of all like they all go to these churches, but it's basically for Americans. It's kind of, it's basically the same deal. Okay. Now they they do and, have a Pope uh, though, don't they? They have their own Pope. I don't think so, no. Okay. Not well, at least he don't. There's like 27 popes in the world. There's just the, the it's the Roman Catholic pope that gets all the press. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it, at any rate, it's very similar to the to the Roman Catholic. Yep. But when I set up my religion, we I'm going to be a pope too. Yeah, I know, right? But he he's a very reasonable guy. You know, granted, he's my brother. I'm kind of partial, but he's very reasonable. We're talking about this, and it, it, here's what he was saying to me. Somewhat is, uh, you know, the Bible says, uh, you know, submit to to the authorities that be, pray for kings, you know, what Jesus said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. And well, I think I that, was explaining, yeah, oh, go ahead. That, go ahead. that one particular phrase I always think is, uh, it's kind of interesting. I mean, Jesus, Jesus is God, right? He is supposed, supposedly God in the flesh, and he would, he should be, you know, being as clear as he possibly can in this, unless he's trying to not be clear, it would seem to yeah. me. I mean, if, if if you believe, if this is how you believe the, the Bible and to here, be. And here's what I'm saying, telling to you, Mark. Here's here's the way I, I'll paint a little picture for you. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a Christian home, you know, all this. Now we, you know, did a lot of things, got away from God, if you want to call it that, or out of church, whatever, did crazy, crazy stuff, whatever. But I grew up with that basic background, and here's what I'm trying to do. People would call in their religious crackpot crazies, and then you guys are for total freedom, which means, from what I understand, do whatever you want, even if it is religious. And here's what I'm saying. There shouldn't be any disconnect there, because render the Caesar what is Caesar's. Okay, that's what Jesus said at that time in a government which was taken over by force by the Romans. Right. What I'm saying is this. If you guys, with your thing that you're doing, which I think is great— happen to take over through nonviolence, then a Christian, if somebody really calls themselves that, should also go with that. Well, I, uh, you know, it's, it's like they cling to the government thing, like you have to have a king, you have to have this, you have, you don't have to. And, you know, it, it just seems so silly to me, but most of what, mostly what these people, these Christian people want is to enforce their opinion and their will and their religion on someone else, which is about the most unchristian thing that you can do. Exactly. You know, God exactly. gave us free will, and you're going to take it away from me? I mean, you, yeah. this piddling little thing made of dust, you're going to take and it that's away? That's what I'm taught. Mark, look, I look at it from both sides. Like, I, you know, if I had, if you put a gun to my head and said, hey, what do you actually believe? I have. If you, for lack of a better term, sentimental feelings toward Jesus. I yeah, really I feel the same way. I appreciate all the things he did, but what I'm saying is that who is this person who was birthed just like me, who uh, craps behind their shoes just like me? Who are they to tell me what I should think about this thing or that? And how are they so right just because they read a couple verses? Most of these people, they don't even know the Bible. Indeed. They just know two, three verses that they memorize or that what their grandpa told them, that doesn't mean anything to me. And that's kind of what I called, you know, to say. I mean, it, it doesn't have to be one way or the other. It can be both. You can be a Christian and have liberty. You can do both things. 
Yeah, it, it, religion's know, a really so. tough thing to, to to talk to people about because they have these these uh, you know these ways that they believe are the right way. But the right way is to let someone else live their life the way they wish, and then you live yours to the way you wish, and well, and, and, and not here, and mess it, with the other person. And here, and look to give you a little background. I went to Bible college for four years. I I learned Koine Greek, which the New Testament's written and all that. You know what it means? It doesn't mean that much, really. The point is, is this. I heard a sermon, and it was true. I think if, if you know you can, if somebody's an atheist, whatever, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But if somebody is a Christian, that's who I'm talking to. And in the Genesis, where it says, "And God said, Let us make man in our image," He didn't mean let us make man with arms and legs or a head, because God doesn't have a head. Jesus Himself even said, "God's a spirit, and they the worst him must worship him in spirit and truth." I think what God meant, if you believe in Him or not, the meaning of that passage is this. Let us make man with a free will to do whatever he wishes to do. That's what I've heard. That, I mean, I've heard the same. I've heard the same explanations. That's. I think that's the right one. And in, in, in and that vein, if that's right, then what's the problem? Well, it's the only. It's the only <laughs> way that one can be moral. If you know, there's this. You know, this whatever it is, whatever actions are moral. The only way that you can be moral is if you're allowed to do those actions. So, I'm exactly. not. I'm not free of sin when it comes to the ideas of prostitution, simply because prostitution isn't available to me because it's been outlawed. As if it wouldn't be available to me as uh, if it were outlawed. But let's just assume that the laws somehow somewhere in a magical land might work on prostitution. I, I am not without sin and moral in the area of uh, of, of paying women for sex um, because it's not available to me. I'm without sin and moral because I choose not to do it. Exactly. And Jesus himself said as much as if you think it in your heart, you're, you did it already. There you go. So if I want to get drunk or do whatever they say is sin, and I can't do it, but I'm thinking I could do it, I did it anyway. <laughs> That's what they don't understand. They don't, I mean, they, I think they understand it, but they don't. See, I've been to a lot of churches where everybody's like, you walk in, you dress a certain way, your haircut's a certain way. You, and they look at you like, well, who's he? Well, yeah. I'm a human. And if the God you said is true, is really God, then you should respect the fact that he made me. Why, why are you telling me how to be? Indeed, you see what I'm saying? that's how church should be, but uh, it's it's just not. <laughs> you know, ah, uh, you're right about that. Uh, Man, you know, Mike, I really appreciate your guys' show. Your guys' show is awesome. Thank you, sir. Thanks for the call. Uh, when Sean, when thinking about this idea of of sin and it being committed in one's heart, and this, and Mike's absolutely right that that's that's how it is. You know, I heard one time, and and it, 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 it's always stuck in my mind. If God can, you know, if God's all knowing, He's omniscient, um, and that's what we're told. And he, you know, if he's if he's God, he has to be. Then yep. doesn't he know in his heart what it's like to to lay with a hooker or uh, you know whatever other kind of horrifying sins you can come up with? And if sure, one, he has to if he's all knowing. Sure, and if and if one sins by thinking about it or whatever or wanting to do it, then if God doesn't know what it's like to want to do it, then he's not omniscient. And if he does know what it's like to want to do it, then he sinned. It's this very difficult conundrum that Christians have set themselves up for, and some Christians. I, I mean, well, I don't. That, that's what happens when you set up a a, a being that contradicts itself all over the place. Yeah, I mean, I I, I like the idea of a of, of a nice, good God that's out there looking out for me. I, I often consider this to be the truth, but. Yeah, the Bible, I find it a very difficult document to, uh, to to believe that every dot and tittle is the word of God, as it were. 1-800-259-9231. It's Free Talk Live. Come in and tell me how I'm uh, 
Spam to help. <laughs> How long can you hold your breath? <sighs> Not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. Talk Live. Give us a call at 1-800-259-9231. It's the show about your calls, and we'll call, we'll talk about anything you want to talk about at 1-800-259-9231. While we're waiting on those calls, we're going to talk about the stuff we want to talk about. So <laughs> um, I've got here a uh, an article by Carlos Miller. Uh, he's a, a great author over, over at Photography is Not a Crime. He keeps uh, keeps an eye on sort of the, the, the First Amendment right of the press and that they're sort of the citizens right to uh to film in general you know and it seems to me in this day of the internet that anybody can be part of the press i mean if you've got a blog you're if part you, of the press right sean i've got a blog so yeah i am part of the press and, and many states have ruled that this is in fact the case however it, it just doesn't it doesn't seem like the people that enforce these rules really believe that the cops don't believe that you're really the press if you've just got a blog. Look, you need to be credentialized through uh, the newspaper or the, the television station or whatever, and, and then you could really be the press. Otherwise, you're just a jerk, and we don't have to do anything for you. But anyhow, Carlos Miller says, A U.S. congressman has introduced a resolution that would protect citizens who videotape cops in public from getting arrested on state wiretapping charges. And that's how they're going after. In, in several states, they're actually being very specific about filming the police as being wiretapping and, and making it, in some cases, a felony, I believe, was uh, what they were doing in Virginia. Doing it in New Hampshire as well, unfortunately. Yeah, they they, they, they are doing that. Not, uh, the, not the, it's not the felony charges, I don't believe. But... It's my understanding that uh, the activists that have been charged with wiretapping have been charged with okay, felony wiretapping. Okay, maybe I'm You know, it, any, at any point, it's hassling people that are, uh, you know, using video cameras to record public servants in public. And to me, it's ridiculous. But uh, it, apparently, Aldolphus Towns, a Democrat from New York, introduced the resolution on Thursday, the same day that the USA Today um, article came out uh, with a scathing editorial denouncing these type of arrests. And we read that here on the show. These types of arrests have become an epidemic throughout the country as more people are carrying some type of video recording device on them at all times. But the case that uh, has gained the most uh, national attention has been the arrest of Anthony Graber, a National Guardsman who is facing 16 years in prison because he uploaded a video of a Maryland state trooper pulling a gun on him during a traffic stop. And this does not give a clear picture. 
this may have been a Maryland state, state trooper, but he's in a completely unmarked car, and he's not wearing a uniform. So this is a guy jumping out of a car with a gun waving it at this guy. He didn't even realize, I, I believe he turned his camera off once he really you know, calmed down and realized we were ta- he was talking to a police officer, but he put the what video he did have up on the internet. And, that's, and it's, it's shown this Maryland state trooper, the Maryland state troopers, and state troopers in general for the type of people that, you know, are apparently they want to protect. Because if the Maryland state police really wanted to stop this kind of behavior, they take this trooper, they kick him out the door, and they throw his, uh, his crap out behind him. They'd say, we, don't, we do not allow you to treat our citizens that way. But that's not what they want. They want people who are hyped up on adrenaline to be passing out tickets, apparently. Apparently, I, well, if I was in such a situation where a man in a in plain clothes got out of an unmarked vehicle and pointed a gun at me, I'd assume I was being robbed. That, I'm sure that's what this guy thought. Stopped. Expressing the... Uh, uh, Let's see. Apparently, the the law says uh, the following: expressing the sense of Congress that the videotaping or photographing of police engaged in potentially abusive activity in a public place should not be prosecuted in state or federal courts. Whereas prosecutors in several states are applying state wiretapping laws and protection of individuals for wiretapping police and engaged in potentially abusive activity. So, you know, the the idea here is is that. The federal government is coming to the aid of uh, of people in this area. And once again, it's this bittersweet situation. I think that states should be able to make their own laws and conduct themselves largely unhindered by the federal government. This one is, uh, you know, even more so a, a First Amendment issue. So and all these states, of course, have have rights of protection of the press, too, that they're just violating with this wiretapping bullcrap. But um you know, it's the federal government coming in and saying, uh-uh, you can't do that, uh-uh. And I think states should be able to do that. However, you know, the federal government's coming in and doing something good. Yeah, it's really hard when they do that. But oh, is this going to pass? Is is something that is actually good actually going to get through? Oh, I think that this one would probably get through. I, I'm thinking that this is the time for it to get through. Um, you know, it's a democratically run House, democratic, democratically almost run Senate um, and a Democratic president. It's difficult to stand in the way of this one. There's been a you know, there's been a great deal of hue and cry from the the hoi polloi out there saying that this is wrong. And um, it may very well it may very well get through. That'd be a, I think getting through would would certainly be a good thing. I don't know that the federal government is the agency to do it. Well, actually, I'm pretty sure they're not. But well, I don't think they should be the one to do it. But it needs to be done. The Washington Post, NPR's Talk of the Nation, Gizmodo, they also have reported on these types of arrests in weeks leading to the proposed resolution by the Washington Post, taking a strong stance against. These arrests in, in an editorial today, the Cato Institute, one of the most influential think tanks in the world, also reported on the issue, as well as the uh, Tucson Citizen. These arrests tend to take place in states that have uh, two party consent laws regarding the electronic recording of conversations like New Hampshire does. These illegal wiretapping laws are created to protect people from having phone conversations uh, recorded, which is normally a situation where one would have an expectation of privacy. So if, for instance, you know, you're having uh, you know, some intimate conversation with a girlfriend, it's not okay to record her uh, making uh, you know, f- fake hollering noises or whatever um, and then say, hey, this is my girlfriend making fake hollering noises on the Internet. 
Y'all know what I mean. These arrests are, and, and then like uh, laying it over like a porn with blacked out parts and stuff. These uh, arrests tend to uh, take place in, oh, excuse me. However, police have twisted the law in their favor to arrest people. Because obviously these, these are called wiretapping laws. There's no wires being tapped here. Yeah, These that, are pe- that, cops being videotaped. Public servants being, uh, b- being recorded in public while on the public payroll. I don't interact with with members with public servants of any sort without an audio recorder at the very least going. Well, it, it's it's one's choice. I think that there are times when you can escalate the situation by whipping out the uh, camera too soon. But I, I think it's something that people need to be able need to be protected when doing. Absolutely. I, I, I kind of feel like a cop is less likely to give a warning when he's being videotaped because like a warning still deviating from the norm. You know, they're deviating in a, in a nice way. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Um, I know New Hampshire has uh, rules about uh, informing everybody and uh, I'll obey those as I think is necessary. Police have twisted the law in their favor to arrest people who are videotaping them in public where nobody has an expectation of privacy. In South Florida, a mother was arrested last year for videotaping police arresting her son. Um, She filed a lawsuit against the Boynton Beach Police Department. In Oregon, a police police chief vowed that these types of arrests would continue even after his city had to dish out $19,000 settlement to the uh, city attorney. And the city attorney sent out a memo stating that these arrests were not legal. In Massachusetts, a pair of activists were arrested this month for openly videotaping cops in public, even after they had received permission from another law enforcement officer to videotape. In Maryland, that's, by the way, the, uh, those are the guys from, uh, from Liberty on Tour out here, and um, they're actually in the uh, studio parking lot, and they got mentioned in this article. In Maryland, where one prosecutor is threatening to send Graber, the motorcyclist, to prison for 16 years in prison, a prosecutor in another county has a completely different interpretation of the law and has refused to prosecute a citizen who was arrested on these same charges after she videotaped the cops in public. So you've got this situation where people are confused. The law isn't being uh, even enforced on a, with an even hand. And that is the i think the worst thing it's one thing to have level tyranny that everybody understands it's another thing entirely to have this this sort of uh you know tyranny that one doesn't even know what to expect this this rule of man as it were and of course all laws are the rule of man well they say anarchy is chaos and look at what we've got here with government <laughs> right and that's what this is supposed to fix so I, you know, I, to me, it seems like the, the citizens are the final check and balance on the government. How can the citizens check and balance their government, which you know, the government doesn't want that at all. It's, it's ludicrous. But how can the citizens check and balance their government if they can't videotape their bureaucrats you know, doing things? Because if you just say, oh, the cops did this and you don't have any video to back it up, you're gonna, nobody, even, nobody even pays attention. Nobody cares. Cops' words better than yours. Yeah, 800-259-9231. Free Talk Live. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. Free Talk Live, 
888-259-9231. It is the only show, nationally syndicated show in America, that, uh, you know, really cares about the ideas of freedom and liberty. Yeah, you got the conservative shows out there and the liberal shows, but they don't really understand liberty. It's free talk live if, if that's what you care about. Um, and if you're, and, you know, in the meantime, when when we're not on the air, you can go check it out. Uh, check out uh, the BBS at bbs.freetalklive.com. It is the the forum for Free Talk Live and and the listeners, and has more than uh, five hundred thousand posts on there. It's completely unmoderated, so be warned. bbs.freetalklive.com. MemoryDealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, GBICs, XFPs, ZenPacks, and X2s that are 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP at up to 99% off the list price. MemoryDealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom needs, in stock and ready to ship via overnight to deliver. MemoryDealers.com. Awesome. So um, we've been talking, we've been spending most of the night on uh, talking about sort of government water regulation issues. So uh, you've got another water story for me, Sean? I do. Uh, this is from the silverbearcafe.com. Excuse me, silverbearcafe.com. Yeah, I've read stuff from there, them before. Uh, there's a conflict between the right and the left about unalienable rights and what exactly that entails. Some on the left believe, for example, that health care and housing are rights that should be given to all. While the right argues that these are privileges that should not be given but earned. Most conservatives and many liberals also believe that the right to bear arms for self-protection is a right. Though there are opponents who argue that allowing guns in America actually leads to higher crime and the world would be better off without them. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see the numbers that uh, talk about that. Well, if, if we get rid of the guns, can we start with the cops? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with getting rid of the guns. Let's, uh, let's get them out of the hands of the police. Regardless of where you stand on these issues, one place where there should be absolutely no discussion regarding what protections we have, not just as American citizens, but as human beings, are our natural rights to produce our own food, harvest our own water, and our ability to transfer these in the form of barter, trade, or charity amongst consenting parties. Sounds fair. I'm sure that uh, to some extent people would believe that uh, your trade may be regulated and taxed by the government, though. Uh, the, certainly, the government believes it can regulate yes. and tax. I think trade. that uh, I think uh, many many people will uh, will take that side once uh, until they've until you get a chance to really dig down on the issue with them. Yeah. Well, in an article called "Federal Food Police Coming Soon to a Farm Near You," Tess Pennington outlines the federal government's efforts to restrict the production of food on family farms, not just for commercial resale but personal consumption. The regulators deny that this is. The stated intent of the statutes, it is clear that the letter of the law will essentially give federal agencies the ability to shut down your backyard vegetable garden if they feel they need to do so. Why would federal or local law enforcement move to shut down your personal garden? Arguably for the same reason they set, they set up an innocent citizen on his own property for legally firing a rifle, just because they can. So they, what, they set him up on his own property? That's what the article says. Okay, let me hear the it. details. But uh, go on, go on. The production of food is very much a natural right, and no matter how much large corporate interests want control of global manufacturing and distribution, this is one area which the government should not and cannot encroach. In the 21st century, however, it seems that the rights of the people are secondary to corporate profit and government control. It does seem that way, yeah. And it's still more obvious that than when we look at what some. Governments around the U.S. are attempting to do with the acquisition and collection of water. Like food, water is an absolute natural right without which we would perish in a matter of days. 
Indeed. According- I don't know if it's a, the water is a natural right in the sense that you have the right to be given water, but I think you have the right to collect water on your land. Yeah, you don't have a right to be given water at all, I wouldn't say, but yeah, if it's on your land, you can collect it, sure. According to Mike Adams of Natural News, several states have moved to control the rights not just for the water under your property, but above it as well. You may not be aware of this, but many western states, including Utah, Washington, and Colorado, have long outlawed individuals from collecting rainwater on their own properties because, according to officials, that rain belongs to someone else. As bizarre as it sounds... It's so weird. It is really weird. As bizarre as it sounds, laws restricting property owners from diverting water that falls on their own homes and land have been on the books for quite some time in many western states. Only recent. I know that they, you know, they're, they're lacking in water out there, and I imagine they can be pretty picky about where that water goes. Apparently, I, I would guess it has a lot to do with um, early water shortages. Is the first uh, only the government can mess there. up water. You know, I mean, it's it's yeah. this this simple thing that if it was allowed, if the marketplace was allowed to supply people water, they'd be they'd get it in abundance and they'd get it far more cheaply. And then the government wouldn't have to be passing laws that say you can't collect rainwater. It falls out of the sky. It's it's really cheap. It's yours. It's yours. Only recently, as droughts and renewed interest in water conservation methods have become more common, have individuals and business owners started butting heads with law enforcement over the, protect, the practice of collecting rainwater for personal use. The argument from government is that rainwater refills reservoirs and is used for the greater good. A valid point, if only it were true. <laughs> Adam points out that roughly 97% of all water that falls to the ground as rain is either evaporated or seeps into the ground and is absorbed by plants, which means that only about 3% is actually used for human consumption. Individuals and organizations in local communities are now fighting... So if you could collect the rainwater and then give the government 3%, would that be okay? Um, that sounds like taxes, and I'm opposed to that. <laughs> Okay. Individuals and organizations in local communities are now fighting asinine water harvesting restrictions because they are, how should we put this, ridiculous on their face and a gross and, I believe they mean to say, direct violation of our very right to life. The very idea that somehow government, be it global, federal, or local, owns the rights to water falling by way of natural forces into a cup or barrel on your own property indicates that government literally believes the sky is the limit. For more proof of this, look no further than the proposed cap-and-trade legislation, which looks to further restrict human beings by literally taxing their right to breathe. You know, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, this kind of brings up a property rights issue that I, I think that people don't entirely look at. I mean, it's clear that I own my land, right? But how deep do I own my land? If I were to... You know, I, I'm clearly able to drill a, a well as deep as I'd like and, and extract water from there. In some cases, in some states, and and some deeds don't allow you to have the mineral rights to the land, and that's that's at least stated. But you know, it's it seems like you know, there's do I own my land all the way to the center of the earth? I think an argument could be made for that, but I would say that. If somebody's doing something under your land which does not disturb your land on the surface, your property rights in that land have not been violated. If, for example, some really rich guy comes up with a way to build a train from Newport, from uh, uh, Virginia to Los Angeles and can uh, run that underground where nobody has to be disturbed by it, 
Well, he can do that, as far as I'm concerned, without talking to every single person along the 3,000-mile route, as long as he doesn't have to affect the surface of their land I think that or their structures. Well, what if he hits gold on the way? Yeah, that's a good point, though. Yeah, that, I hadn't thought of that. that that's an issue. I don't know. It's a... Uh... Call in with your thoughts. Six zero three. Excuse me. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I could give you the office number, but it's not going to do you any good. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Francs, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, 1-800-259-9231. It's your show. Call in and take over the airwaves. It's Mark with you. And Sean. And Ian. Yeah, Ian showed up. Uh, how, was your, how was your little meeting over there? It was a lengthy meeting, as yeah, you can tell. Apparently it was. That must be very, very important that you can just shirk your duties as a talk show host and go over there and do whatever it is. You know, I'm doing. trying to give back to the community. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what about your community here in the studio, huh? You guys were fine, weren't you? Yeah, everything's okay. fine. I think so. So uh, tell us about uh, the news updates there at uh, freetalklive.com, Ian. The news updates? Well, yeah. you can... News.freetalklive.com. Uh, yeah, you can go to news.freetalklive.com, and you can get sign up for our email updates. You can follow our Twitter or our Facebook, so you can get the latest about the show delivered in the way that is best for you, the way that is most convenient to you, or multiple ways, if that is most convenient for you as well. So we've been uh, sitting here mostly uh, this evening talking about uh, water regulation and the and the government. There's been a little bit of deviation, but it's been some riveting water conversation here. We've managed to two and a half hours of water talk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's awesome stuff. But it does show the, the how the government loves to get involved in your business. But you said that there was a little bit of news on Heika. So I, yeah. Well, I just realized that yesterday uh, we we never covered what transpired and there's some news up at freekeen.com uh, from a local uh, news article of course we've told you over the last several days about uh, that i was arrested uh, along with a bunch of other people um, for essentially coming to the defense of Heika, one of the she's a keen native uh, she um, discovered the liberty folk when adam and pete from liberty on tour were going to her place of business and ordering coffee and that sort of thing. And that led to conversations, led to her coming out to the Keen Nightcaps, which are the 11 o'clock at night nightly uh, hangouts that we've been doing during the summer for the last several weeks. And coming out to Keen Nightcaps led to her learning more about freedom and talking to people like Sean, uh, myself, and others. And uh, she's, she's into it. She got into it, yeah. And she got into it relatively quickly and uh, you know, made a stand for liberty when it came to uh, her personal freedom to enjoy a beer in the park in the afternoon and, and not give up her uh, personal information to the, uh, the uniformed men that were demanding it of her. So she was arrested for that. Uh, and then, of course, she was, uh, then she was ticketed later on that same week uh, for another open container in, this, in the same park at another nightcap. And then it was, I think, two days ago that she, eh, I don't know, I'm losing track. I've been awake uh, all day. It was two days ago, yes. Yeah, two days ago when she was you, arrested. You, you've been awake all day? 
I got up at like 6 this morning to go out to uh, Massachusetts uh, with uh, Adam and Pete from LibertyOnTour.com. I see. Uh, so a couple days ago, she was arrested again. This time, it was because of something that transpired in court. We were in court for uh, Rich Paul's something or other. It was like a probable uh, cause. Attorney, attorney assignment, I believe. That's it was. what it was. It was something new. I'd never been to this before. An attorney assignment hearing uh, where he had uh, requested, one of the activists uh, had, had requested to have the state you know, provide the attorney. So there's a hearing, I guess, that is required for this. So we'd all shown up, uh, about, I would say about a dozen of us had shown up. And uh, and so it was during that that, as usual, if you've listened before, you know that uh, those of us who attend these court trials regularly do not stand for the robed man. That's just something we do. It's a, it's a way to show that, well, you know, you have to kind of earn respect if you want to get respect. And the things that these people are doing don't I don't think they deserve respect uh, for what they do because they aggress against people. And so it's kind of sending a message. Mark, you could also point out that it's a it's a Quaker thing, a very Quaker thing to do to not stand up for uh, for somebody in this. God doesn't respect one person over another. Why would you stand? You don't stand for anybody else coming in. Yeah. in this proposed position of uh, of authority. So, no, we didn't stand up for the, the man in the robe when he came in. However, when Rich Paul was called up to the front of the room for his hearing of whatever sort, uh, about half of the group did stand for uh, for Rich Paul. All rise for the point. defendant. Yeah, and we've done this before. Yes, it uh, is very funny to right. watch. I, uh, I I don't believe I've participated in it. Um, you know, just if I'm not going to stand for one person, I'm not going to stand for any of them. So we've we've done it before, and it has gone relatively unmolested by the the uh, you know, the man in the row. But today he decided to uh, to call uh, to call out as soon as we did it and said, "All those people need to get out of here." And he called a recess. That he left the room, and then his uh, which his, is better than it used to be. I mean, a couple of years ago, he was he was uh, they had cleared out the, the the basketball section of the of the county jail in order to throw us all um, all the activists. I, and I say us. I don't think I was actually at that event um, in jail for for not standing. I suppose uh, at that point, I'd already been threatened uh, the day prior by them, and wasn't really in the mood to get arrested. So I didn't push it on that one. And I don't think anybody really wanted to push it at that point because we could have just had people just sit there and say, "No, no, it's a public court. We'll just." We'll, we'll just stay here. Uh, so we did leave at that point, and it was that action by the man in the robe that encouraged uh, Monica, one of the other activists, to go and get her megaphone from her car. And I had to come back to the studio at that point uh, to make um, you know, I make phone calls to radio stations during the day. So I had a call that I'd missed that I was relatively important, so I needed to get to that as soon as I could. So while I was making that phone call, apparently Heiko was on the megaphone out front of the Everybody's court. all being good neighbors with the, with the megaphone. And, uh, and so she was calling out the judge, basically, you know, jail the judge, uh, saying, essentially repeating some of the slogans that were, uh, were on some of the signage that had been made up, the, the protest signs, if you will. And we were singing the lovely song, If You're Happy and You Know It, Shake Your Chain. So you were there, you were there for, uh, for the megaphone. Yes. So you could tell better than, uh, than I what uh, transpired. Yeah, uh, we, we were out there. Um, Heike was uh, using the megaphone for quite a little while. And then um, after, uh, after she had run out of things to say, uh, the megaphone got turned over to uh, Monica. And we were singing uh, some songs by another local activist, uh, Sam A. Robin. And during this, the... Uh, the police showed up and arrested Heike, who was not using a megaphone at the time. And right out the gate. As soon as the police arrived, yes. they, they didn't come up and say, 
you need to stop using that megaphone, or uh, if you continue using the megaphone, which would be disorderly. generally how you handle a disturbing the peace situation. Or yeah, could we have you turn it down or something like that? And Sam Dodson from ObscuredTruth.com has been out in front of the same uh, courthouse with uh, with a megaphone doing things like this. And in the past, the police have approached him and have you know attempted to come to some sort of an agreement to say, well, you know, you're disturbing people. We've had this complaint, and we'd like to ask you to turn it down. And in that case, he did turn it down. Um, so they didn't come out and do any negotiating. It was just they walked right up and arrested Heike. Absolutely. There was no negotiating whatsoever. It's um, it's my personal opinion that they, they really want to get Heike because she is a local that we have yes. activated rather than a free stater who moved up here for the project. I think that the fact that a local is joining in with us is scaring them to some degree. Right, and I think you're right. They wanted to teach her a lesson uh, for hanging out with the the free staters, if you will, or the the liberty activists up here, because certainly they're not all free staters, and as Heike is 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 not. She's lived her whole life. So uh, there, in the union leader p- uh, post that I put up over at freekeen.com, they actually talked to some sort of legal constitutional expert, supposedly, and he said that uh, he believed what the Keene police did in this in this case was draconian was the the word that he used i don't know if uh really is appropriate to align him with uh, this action with draco and what he might have done but uh nonetheless that's the term he used that is the term that he used in that they didn't use any sort of uh discretion they didn't uh, approach it with a uh, with any kind of uh, level of uh, negotiation, they just went right in and made the arrest. And they knew that that would violate. It was a violation of bail. Uh, her being arrested for the, this, right. and it was contempt of court. Of course, the favorite, which is kind of an interesting aside, right? How far does the the judge's contempt powers travel from outside of the courtroom? In normal. Far as they'll as as you can get away with. Oh well, right. Apparently, uh, so apparently, being outside of the courtroom, you the judge still has the ability to have you arrested for contempt of court. Uh, so can he also send his troops here to the studio to arrest us for uh, talking n- nasty about him? Yes. Uh, anyway, so that's pretty much the update. She went. Uh, she went to jail for the night. The next day, we showed up for her arraignment, and you know, to be there to support her. She didn't realize, because you can't communicate with somebody when they're in their custody very easily, that the the judge said it was going to be a $500 um, bail in order to get her out. We were all out in the the lobby after that trying to round up the money to to go ahead and bail her out so she wouldn't lose her job. If she didn't go to her job that afternoon, she was going to lose it. And uh, so we were working on that, and it was during that time that we were working on getting her bail together that apparently they approached her in the courtroom and offered her a plea deal, which she accepted uh, at that point, which is unfortunate because a lot of the stuff that she was charged with, you know, they may have ended up dropping the charges down the line, but they scared her. You know, they she spent a night in jail. Works. She'd never been in jail before, and it was a horrible experience for her, and, uh, and they scared her. She didn't want to go back there. She didn't realize she was getting bailed out. So she took the plea deal. There's some talk behind the scenes about possibly a civil suit. I don't know if that's gonna what, what's going to happen with that. I don't know if I should say much more. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, 1-800-259-9231. 
We have uh, been conspicuously absent, uh, our, our, our main host here, Ian uh, Freeman, for most of the evening. But, uh, Ian, you managed to scoot in the last half hour of the show. Got uh, back as soon as I could. Yeah, and uh, you were updating. And it's, it's Mark here. And Sean. And Ian. And uh, you were updating us on uh, sort of some of the, the adventures and misadventures of the uh, outside the system activists um, in, in Keene uh, about uh, Heike and her getting uh, bailed out. Um, you wanted to, to, you know, talk a little bit further about that. I'd made some comments about uh, megaphoning and how uh, one may or may not be a, a good neighbor. Well, the, megaphoning. Right. There's been uh, some controversy, as usual, within the uh, when 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 a lot of the activism happens in Keene. It's not only controversial uh, from the outside perspective of people looking in, but also from the inside of the movement. There are frequently discussions about tactics and whether this was done right or how it could have been done better. And I think that's all valuable. I, th- I think it is. Um, and I'm glad it happens. And clearly it shows that what we're doing here is relevant because people are talking about it. Oh, I disagree with that. Okay, well, a lot of people have disagreed with uh, the idea of using a megaphone, period. And I understand completely where they're coming from. I mean, the idea is that somebody who's on a megaphone, an activist on a megaphone, is annoying uh, to people. Let me tell you um, what happened to me. I was at a, uh, an In the Fed rally, maybe last year sometime in Boston, and uh, I was asked to speak at it. And the, there was a guy with a megaphone who was you know, preaching about the New World Order or whatever on the, the corner of uh, some busy street in, in Boston. And you know, somebody in their convertible there, and you know, they were talking and passing out CDs to these people. And then the guy immediately goes on the megaphone, and he's within you know, six, eight feet of this guy's car. And the guy's demeanor changes completely. He goes from you know, some guy who's happily, you know, or at least complacently taken some uh, information that he may or may not read from uh, some activist to some guy who's just appears to be very upset one of those those micro expressions you know just mm-hmm. you know he's shocked and upset about uh, the the noise that's being uh, foisted upon him and i'm sure it's very you know megaphones aren't great audio you know no and but so loud. like i say i understand and there are a number of people that uh, that i have a lot of respect for that don't like megaphoning and i, I myself uh, i I generally don't feel inspired to say much on a megaphone because, well, I've got a three-hour radio show every night and who it's just run out of stuff to say and what what is it that I can say that I haven't already said and I have to really feel inspired to get behind one and, and speak. And I think there's a, there's a way to approach megaphoning that's a little more appropriate than others. So, for instance, if you're six feet away from someone, there's no point. You can talk to that person. Uh, then you're just annoying people. If you're pointing a megaphone at somebody who's nearby you, that's obnoxious. Right. That can hurt, uh, that kind of thing. But like the other day when I was outside, uh, we did another – there have been some free Rich Paul protests uh, here in Keene in the afternoons. And at one point I was on the megaphone and there was a group of people that was across this busy street. Now that's an appropriate time from my perspective to use a megaphone to get, a, get the word out. Sure, you can hold a sign. But the sign is limited in the amount of words that it can say, uh, and the megaphone is not. Uh, so, so yeah, the- I, can, I can see that in this particular instance that we're talking about here, where the uh, the megaphoning where the arrests were made, it was being done with the intent of sort of it uh, the noise filtering through the windows on the uh, second floor to the courthouse, which were open. Okay, um, yeah. fine. The windows were open, but the um, also there is a, you know there's a business that does you know, a restaurant beneath there. 
This and is true. It's um, you know these people run this pish posh little rest, little restaurant that sells delicious sandwiches, mm-hmm. and, you know, and then and then tr- prices triple for um, for for dinner, and you know, the the food is fabulous at Lucas. But I'm sure that they probably are wishing that they had a different location when the yeah. activists are milling about with their megaphones. Yeah, I totally, I totally understand. Uh, and of course, uh, should a business owner come out and and complain, I think that would probably take in. How many uh, times do they have to do it? Haven't they done it before? No, not to, not to my knowledge. Okay, I mean, I don't know. No one there. There have been instances of megaphoning before, and the police have come out and said someone had complained, but they don't reveal who necessarily. Mm-hmm. And the only other time megaphoning's gone on out front of the courthouses once, and that was in the early morning hours, because usually the arraignments are happening in the morning. So, but it often goes on during uh, city council meetings. Not that it has gone on th- once during a city council meeting, and but usually businesses aren't open necessarily at that time. So it depends on what time it is. So it's you know for me I've, I've got mixed feelings about it. On one hand, I think that uh, it can be obnoxious if used in a, inappropriately, but on the other hand, I think that uh, there are certainly opportunities where it is appropriate. As as I stated, I was aiming it at a crowd of people mm-hmm. uh, when uh, when I was using it, and I think it's a val- I think a megaphone is a tool for, that uh, that serves a purpose. I don't know how you guys uh, feel in general. I mean, are you against all megaphoning, or how do you feel? You were there. So. I, I'm not against all megaphoning. It's certainly a good way to reach out to large groups of people or to communicate your message from, say, you're in Central Square holding a demonstration and you want to reach the drivers in their cars, mm-hmm. it, it can be very useful. Um, what was going on at the courthouse was most definitely intended to disrupt the court in, in, and in that it may or may not, excuse me, may or may not be appropriate. You know, I I don't feel qualified. I, I'm not part of the outside the system activists. I, I you know I, I I tend to point things out that are not working in their activism. It's I you know I I can't really give advice on what should and shouldn't be done. As far as I'm concerned, I I really don't like the outside the system activism in general. I think it's kind of icky. So um, I, I do is some of it effective? Yes. At what cost? It seems like there's a certain level of goodwill in the community in Keene that has been lost, and um, you know where where it ha- may hasn't been lost by other free staters around the state, and that's those are sort of my comments on it. I don't know. Yeah, well, to that point, uh, I what I would say about that is anytime you've got activism that's visible, anytime you've got activism that uh, takes visible. a strong position. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is and is discussed publicly. You're going to have people that are upset. Yep. So uh, what you're comparing isn't is just you know it's apples to oranges because mm-hmm. around the rest of the state you've got people that are relatively underground. They don't go around advertising that they're uh, that they're liberty activists. They are engaging in the the, the standard run of the mill political processes and they're melding into uh, to that world. And that's fine. You know if that's their thing, that's what they should do. Uh, but you know, don't don't claim that uh, you have some sort of moral high ground because you haven't had a uh, you know a, a vitriolic outrage come out against what you're doing. Your what you're doing, if you are one of these political activists, just hasn't really been seen. the The people that would be vitriolic about their power being threatened aren't really aware that you're there because you're behind the scenes and doing some sort of political thing. Uh, I think that any time you take a position publicly that is a threatening to the status quo. You will find the people who support the status quo will feel very threatened about you, and they will get nasty about uh, – for instance, uh, Julia, my uh, girlfriend uh, a couple of years ago, when she, ran, uh, when she ran for political office – Girlfriend at the time. Right, a couple of years ago, uh, when she ran for political office, 
a lot of the stuff you're talking about, Mark, hadn't occurred yet. It was 2007. Indeed. Everything was relatively new on the scene. Do you remember how nasty the response was to her? It was ugly. And she was just a sweet young lady getting out there and getting into the system and doing the inside the system thing, doing what everybody suggests that the outside the system activists do. She didn't come out with the most extreme message or anything like that. She was relatively, I wouldn't say she was totally political in her message, but she wasn't like out and out anarchist in, in her message. Uh, and they, they still vitriolically uh, opposed her that it was uh, maybe not as vitriolic, perhaps, as what they're what some of the opposing. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's the rising the rising swell has. Uh, you know, but uh, she was threatened. the The state government they brought came it into in. her work, which they was brought, really really inappropriate. Right, they brought it to her work. Uh, the state government people threatened her with three to seven years in prison because she was talking about giving away the paycheck that she received to the voters just kind of as a you know here look i don't even want i'm not going to take this money i'm going to give it back to the voters which i thought was a pretty cool proposal they threatened her with a felony over that so these people pulled out all the stops the people inside the system the people with the you know the uh, their assets at stake if you will pulled out all the stops to neuter her campaign as uh, as much as possible so that's one example of how it is that as soon as you take a position that is opposing the status quo those in favor of it will be very threatened by it and they should be because their power is uh, is what they're possibly going to lose their sweet pensions and all the you know the wonderful stuff and as the political activists become more successful in getting closer to their goals of repealing uh say the education monopoly or whatever else it is they're looking to uh, to repeal inside the system get ready because it's going to get pretty nasty and you're going to get called names too and they're going to tell you to go away that we don't want you here and, and all of that but luckily, there are people that do want us here. I meet them all the time. Uh, they come out. Uh, they, they most the people that want us here aren't afraid to say to say so. The people that don't hide behind their internet. Uh, they, they hide behind their keyboards and they post anonymously on things like local newspaper forums. These people never come out in person and speak their minds I about how they feel. I think they've been successful um, in sort of claiming the uh the the majority status they may or may not be the majority I, I, there's I, no evidence right there's no evidence but i think that they um that the people in the majority sort of believe that that um, the majority doesn't even know we're here the majority of people if they've heard of free staters i just talked they don't to a lawyer know. today who's like well we can't Lawyers all be free staters right the system. lawyer the, the majority of people you ask them what a free stater is they couldn't tell you that's just how it is. Most people are too busy with their personal lives getting the bills paid. See you tomorrow night, freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. So it's another edition of the Edgington Post, and uh, today I have with me, uh, uh, you know, if you listen to the show, you're going to be uh, familiar with this guy. It's Gene the Christian Anarchist, and Gene, you called, I don't know, it was a couple of weeks ago on a Saturday night, and you wanted to tell this story, and you know how it goes with Ian on uh, Saturday nights. He wanted to get to all those new callers, and uh, you, you kind of, you talked about the story later, and I thought that it sounded like something that our listeners should hear about, and specifically, I want to know what, uh, what happened. And if I remember correctly, it is your son trying to get a bank account without a social security number. Is that right? Um, no, it was a driver's license. A driver's license without a social security number. Okay, great. 
Right. And we were able to get him a driver's license without a Social Security number at age 16 because he's never had a Social Security number. When he was born 16 years ago, when they passed the paper out in the hospital trying to get us to fill out and give him a Social Security number, I told him thanks but no, told him thanks but no thanks. And so he has gone all his life without a Social Security number. Now, the drawback is that means that for the 16 years he's been with us, we have not been able to claim him on our tax returns. Yeah, yeah, that's what it means. We didn't, yeah, we didn't file for many of those years, though, so it didn't really matter during, oh, at least 10 of those years we weren't filing, so it didn't matter. And then uh, when he started going to school, some of the school administrators asked for his Social Security number, and we said he doesn't have one. We even had one uh, school administrator try and tell us that he had to have a Social Security number, that it's it's required. (laughs) And we told him, no, it's not, and eventually he he, uh, agreed. He had to let him go to the school. And uh, it was a private school, too. Really? That's interesting. (laughs) That was, yeah, that was strange. It was a private school, and he was trying to tell us that he has to have a Social Security number. The brainwashing brainwashing of the slaves goes deep. Yes, it does. And we currently are running into a problem because he can't get any kind of a bank account without a Social Security number. We've never figured out how to do that. We do have the ability to open up a bank account for him in China, which is we're going to go to China in December, and when we do, we'll open up a bank account for him there. And they have an international Visa card or MasterCard or whatever, basically an international debit card that can be used all over the world. Well, that's useful. So I, I, sure wouldn't want to take a, I sure wouldn't want to take a check from a bank in China. Yeah. <laughs> so he'll have his bank account with his uh, debit card, so he'll be able to function just like anyone else, and he so far has no Social Security number. Now, when he becomes 18, I've always I've said all along, if he wants a Social Security number, that's his business. But while he's uh, under our administration, he doesn't have to get one, and we're not going to get him one. Has he expressed any kind of interest? Back to the driver's license. I, I, okay, um, before you go on, I, has he expressed any interest in getting a Social Security number? No, actually, he really has gone quite the opposite. I don't think he wants a Social Security number. Okay. But um, going back to the driver's license, we went to get him a permit, and we live right south of Memphis, so it's kind of in the... Uh, we can basically claim our territory is northern Mississippi or Tennessee. Okay. So originally we tried to uh, get his permit in Mississippi, and they said, no, you absolutely positively have to have a Social Security number. Hmm. And so then we went to Tennessee, and they said, no, you don't have to have a Social Security number, but you have to fill out this affidavit saying that you've never applied for it, that you've never had a Social Security number. So I said, that's no problem. So a year ago we got his permit, a little over a year ago, got his driver's permit in Tennessee, and then just a few months ago we went down, he passed his driver's test, so he got his driver's license in Tennessee. So now he's fully licensed without a social security number. Well, I'm surprised. I, I bet I bet some it's people. It's interesting to note. Go ahead. It's interesting to note that we couldn't have done that in the state of Mississippi, and a number of other states also would not 
allow that. You know, I, I, I always wonder with these situations because you're, you generally you're de- you deal with one bureaucrat. You, you take the luck of the draw and you get your bureaucrat. And the bureaucrat then lays down whatever rules that they're going to lay down, in some cases completely arbitrarily with, the, with, with no level of information on what is actually the law. Uh, for instance, up here in, in New Hampshire, I was told that I had to have my legal address on my driver's license. And I knew it wasn't the case because I had read the law. I went in with the law and showed it to them, and uh, I, I actually offered to let them keep the piece of paper. They didn't want it because they wanted to continue to uh, tell people the lies. But uh, you know, I, I didn't end up having to do it. But it's you know, I, I, I just feel like you, you, know, you never know what you're going to get. Well, the the reason is, and I try to tell everyone this, is because there is no such thing as law. Law does not exist. All it is is a bunch of people trying to tell each other what to do, and they have no authority to do it, but people believe they have that authority. And it's when you believe they have the authority that you will knuckle under and do what you're told. But when you finally come to the realization that, hey, these people don't have authority to tell me what to do, then you will just start to ignore them. And it's interesting that in my trips to China that the Chinese people have this uh, principle down better than the Americans do because the Chinese people ignore their government all the time. I mean, <laughs> it's, 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 it's commonplace over there. And someone else was telling me that uh, they were in, uh, spent a lot of time in Guatemala. And Guatemala was the same way. The people there do not trust their government. They, they, they ignore what the government tells them to do. And that's really the way it should be. If people really want to be free. They've got to realize that these people are nothing but a bunch of buffoons trying to tell you how to run your life, and they can't even run their own life. It's hard to argue with that. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to tell about the story, Gene? That's about it for that particular subject. Um, That was, it really was no big deal. All we had to do was fill out an affidavit saying that he never had a social security number. So it can be done in some states. Well, let me know if you uh, figure out anything as far as the bank accounts go, because I know that a lot of people are uh, concerned about getting their children, uh, you know, Social Security numbers and how they'll do any banking in the future. Well, I think anybody could go to another country and open one of these bank accounts that have a uh, universal uh, or, you know, uh, whatever they call it, worldwide visa card. Now, obviously, not everyone's going to be able to go to China, but maybe they could go to Mexico and open one. I don't know. It seems like that would be possible. Does seem like it. I'm sure Mexico has a couple of decent banks. They have to. <laughs> um, yeah. They have to have somewhere to put all that drug money. So <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Thanks, Gene. All right. Thank you, Mark. Bye. Bye-bye. What if the key to achieving liberty in your lifetime was to move together with others who think like you? Liberty activists are joining the Free State Project, which is over halfway to its goal of 20,000 participants. And they're already making the move to New Hampshire. The successes are piling up and are proving the Free State Project is a real movement and no longer just a great idea. When you're planning your move, consider Keen. Keen is famous for its civil disobedience and non-cooperation, and there's plenty of political opportunity as well. From demonstrations and vigils to outreach and volunteering, there's a lot going on in Keene. Keene is also the undisputed Liberty Media capital of the world with television, talk radio, newsprint, and more all originating here. 
though it's more than just activism, with regular social events each week. See what's happening at freekeen.com and get connected with video, audio, the busiest Liberty Forum in New Hampshire, and more at freekeen.com. That's freekeen.com.